Hey everybody, welcome to the Everything Went Black podcast. I'd like to thank everybody for listening out there. Tonight's guest is my old friend, Fred Pissarro. He uh, just launched his new media site, clairvoyant.com, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Late in the episode, we have a special guest, uh, Justin Pearson, shows up. Uh, Retox was playing tonight, and um, he decided to come by and hang out for a bit. This episode and all episodes is brought to you by Savage Gold Coffee. Head on over to savagegoldcoffee.com and uh, check out what we have. Affiliate sponsors, Datsusara. If you want to buy a hemp gear bag or hemp MMA equipment, go over to Datsusara. And also, last but not least, on it for human optimization. Check out on it. If you want to get at me on Twitter, it's at MikeHillHQ. On Instagram, it's Mike underscore Hill underscore Primate. If you want to check out a bunch of stupid pictures that I take during my life, you can go there. And uh, also, Everything Went Black on Facebook, and also Michael Hill on Facebook. Yeah, I don't know. Um, what should we talk about? Should we talk about the site? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a pretty big piece of news. Okay, great. You know, um, so... Thursday mm-hmm. was uh, the launch of clairvoyant.com. That's their brand new media site. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of weird, you know? It's like, you know, uh, this is my second round of EIC dumb, and I feel like I'm more in control now than ever. Um, and I think the coolest thing about it is, like, um, I don't know. You know, I mean, I've, you know, I've always been, you know, uh, uh, here's a really interesting story I want to tell about, like, um, who I am and how that affects this site. It's like, you know, I've always been into metal and I've always been into hardcore Mm -hmm. and, but I've always listened to everything else, just like any normal person would, Of course, you know? Um, But the funniest thing is like, in the greater world, and I'm sure you know this too, like most people, when you say the word hardcore, you say the word metal, people just glaze over, you know? Yeah, like outside of like the little microcosm that we operate in. Yeah, yeah. which is which is ridiculous. To me, like music is music, and there's sometimes, sometimes when I lo- want to listen to like, you know, Mahavishnu or and sometimes I want to listen to like um Steely Dan and sometimes I want to listen to you know like uh I I don't know like some some Czech grime band or something Mm -hmm. like that you know what I'm saying it's just it's all about mood so uh, that's always how I approached music and I feel like there's there's certain people that kind of fall follow that as well and so you know many years ago when I was writing about like when I was, you know, trying to get my career footing, um, <clears throat> the path of least resistance for me was to write about metal and hardcore, yeah. you know? Um, because I like, I felt like that was the advantage I had over virtually everyone, you know? And, uh, there was so much, so much good stuff coming out then just like there is now. And just like there was 20 years ago and all of that. And so that's kind of the, my in for journalism way back then is like, I just found this path and I followed it. 
and then I let people realize how diverse I actually am, you know? And so that's kind of the idea behind the site is like, I want to do something that is about rock. And when I say rock, I want it to be, I want rock to be the most generic word you can think of, you know? Yeah, like in the greater sense, like rock music, you know, yeah. meaning all the iterations that fall within the rock music genre, I guess. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. I mean, to me, like my idea of a cool looking site is like, let's just say like the Angel Olsen record I really love, you know? And that's just like, you know, sad girl rock. And then today we ran a post on this band, <clears throat> excuse me, called Summerlands that I really like. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but uh, absolutely adore that record. It's like Jakey Lee style Ozzy Osbourne shit. Yeah. It's fucking great, you know? And then, uh, you know, we've done stuff on Angel Dust and we did, we did a thing on Neurosis and then we did a thing on this like jangle pop band from from australia that i really like called chook race that's playing uh the goner fest you know so to me like i just want to talk about rock i want to talk about all the iterations because that's what i listen to it's like all the iterations you know um but yeah so that was the main crux of what we were doing and i think that's why that's why a lot of the guys that work for the site you know they might outwardly appear like uh like metal guys, like Andrew Bonazelli is like a managing editor, but for for Clairvoyant. But the fact of the matter is, is that guy ran, he was managing editor for Decibel and Magnet at the same time. I so, wasn't aware of that. I, yeah. knew, I knew him from Decibel. I didn't know that he was he was doing Magnet as well. Oh yeah, he was doing both. I mean, he's an absolute monster, and he just knows it all, you know, in the greatest of ways. So I mean, and that's what I want is I want to just kind of treat all of this with the same reverence i don't you know i'm coming from uh you know coming from a world right now in general the way that journalism looks is just so you know kanye comes out with a new shirt let's do a post on it you know or kanye did this or um beyonce did that or this you know drake did this or drake did that and you know and the fact of the matter is is I know how those posts did. I know how they performed, you know? And some of them hit and some of them didn't. I actually wonder about that, too, because, um, you know, every now, every now and then I take a poke at, you know, look look online, see what's going on, you know? And it's like, you know, there's all this clickbait with, um, you know, a lot of it seems to be more about celebrity. And mm -hmm. my question that I have is, do people actually care more about celebrity and... Uh, you know, these sort of like irreverent things that happen within celebrity celebrity over, you know, compelling, you know, content or music. Well, it's funny that you say that because people do care about that stuff. But I think where the issue is, is finding out who of these people are music fans and who of them are celebrity fans. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And where the line is there. Like... Someone who cares about music, look, I, I, you know, maybe this is a controversial opinion. I like, I like Drake. I like Beyonce. I like, um, I like all that shit, you know, in like a pop sense. Absolutely like mm -hmm. that shit. Kanye, I find a little annoying, but that's a whole other conversation. But my whole thing about it is that 
yeah, that's cool. Let's talk about it. But let's talk about some other shit too. You know, um, do we need to do 25 million pieces on the new Beyonce record? Or can we do like two or three and then spend the other 24,998,000 whatever on new bands? And that's what I want to do, you know, because because when we're talking about new bands, we're talking about really the future of music and yeah, not just totally. and not just this whole idea that we're going to just, hey, this is the dog chasing its tail, you know, and uh, it's it doesn't do it's not doing anyone justice. It's not doing the reader justice. It's not doing um, it's not doing bands justice. It's not doing music justice. Um, if, and you know, if you were to ask, just judging by the way the internet looks now, if you were to ask a rock critic, um, like what their favorite albums were just by the output of the internet, I mean, obviously Drake and Beyonce would be on every single one of these lists. And that's, I know these people, these people don't listen to that. You know, they listen to that, but they listen to other shit, too. Yeah, not just exclusively one thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I don't think we're giving the public enough credit, you know? I think people are smarter than that. And I have if- a conspiracy theory about, uh, like, I mean, I sort of came upon this one night when I was thinking about these things, about mm-hmm. how, you know, like commerce, in a way, sort of killed rock music on, like a, uh, on a large scale, you know, because if you think of back back to the seventies, you got bands like Aerosmith, you know, the Allman Brothers, Led Zeppelin. There's like, you know, four or five guys in a band, mm-hmm. a whole road crew, roadies, guitar techs, a bus driver, like all these people out on the road. Everybody's together. making decent money. Everyone's making decent money. Yeah. You know? And uh, you know, everything's good. People are going to the shows. You can mm-hmm. pay nine bucks. You can see Aerosmith and Ted Nugent play at some like huge, you know, arena somewhere mm-hmm. and everyone's stoked. But when uh sort of the aesthetic and the the mechanics of like r&b and hip-hop and that whole thing and i i, I like hip-hop i don't have a problem you know i'm just i'm not a hater all mm-hmm. i'm trying to say mm-hmm. the actual cost to return ratio i feel like is greater with an artist who doesn't necessarily have to go on tour who can like do a couple videos or mm-hmm. release a shoe or something like that mm-hmm. um and then the actual recording process doesn't involve five guys, you know, renting a mansion on the, uh, you know, like the Chili Peppers or something like that, you know, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, you know, engineers and endless takes and two inch tape and all yeah. this other stuff. So it seems like, in a way, that because, you know, the producers of this music, the guys who back all this with their, you know, with their their funding, uh-huh. get more of a return on investment by not doing rock music. So, I mean, I think people still like rock music, but, Mm -hmm. like, the marketing dollars and the marketing efforts and resources get put into that sort of, uh, you know, milieu, I guess. Well, I I think that's part of it, and I think, think to be fair, Mike, I mean, like, look, this is very, very much in line with a book that I recently read um, by this guy, Greg Renoff, and it's, I forgot the name of it, but it's about... Van Halen from the moment they formed until the Van Halen one. And it's just about that. Wow. Sick book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I definitely recommend it. Okay. R E N O F F 
I'll lend it to you. Yeah. Um, totally, man. So, but so this is this is how I'm going to counterpoint you. Yeah. I mean, you and I know that bands like. Like, I mean, I mean, did you, you saw the Rush documentary? Are you a fan of Rush? No, I love Rush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. So you saw the documentary? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, and obviously like Sabbath and Beatles, Sabbath, the Beatles, Rush, Van Halen. These guys grew up in eras where the DJ wasn't the primary focus, where the primary focus was the band. And so like, you know, in Greg's book, it just talks about, um, Van Halen would pay, play four hours a night, six nights a week, you know, just going bar to bar to bar, just practicing and, and, you know, like playing these, playing these, like, you know, these gigs where no one cared and they yeah. just play covers and covers and covers. And, you know, not only does that make you a better band, it makes you more versatile because it's like, I mean, I mean, you know, like as a guitar player, you're, you have a style and you have like a sound and stuff like that. But if you're shoehorning your, your personality into somebody else's guitar style and their licks and the way they do things, it's teaching you a whole lot. Oh yeah, definitely. You, you know, For sure. And then, like I was saying, like, you know, like Rush did that. The Beatles did that. Sabbath did that. And so nowadays it's harder for a band to be good. And I think the natural way of music is, you know, I'm going to do this song and hopefully it goes somewhere. You know what yeah, I'm see, saying? It's that, that's the bitter fruit of punk rock though. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's like, you know, back, yeah, great. You know, I can only play like three chords. I'm yeah. still going to start a band. I'm going to talk about my feelings and how I, you know, want to destroy the government and fucking kill cops and all this shit. Sure. Great. But that kind of led to like a laziness in, in technical ability. I think that's still the repercussions of that statement are still being like mm -hmm. manifested like today, you know, 2016. Totally. You know, no one wants to play covers. Everyone wants to. And that was like in the eighties. I remember cause you know, I was a kid in the eighties and twisted sister where I grew up in, in like Westchester County in that mm -hmm. area, mm -hmm. there were bands that were making a living playing covers mm -hmm. like in there was a huge club scene when the drinking age was 18 mm -hmm. and there's also the, another great documentary the twisted sister documentary where Excellent there's like documentary. footage of them playing like bowie songs yeah. you know like and you name it yeah and to develop that kind of musical vocabulary and having to like go through the standards of what people wanted to hear mm -hmm. i think actually made them a great band and I, I totally agree with you on that it's like i mean i don't play covers i mean i, I might we might play, record a cover of some song, but it's not, I don't dissect each part and try to like reproduce like the, the riffs of like Tony Iommi or something, mm -hmm. you know, like in a serious way. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it's the same way, like any, anything that's severely technical, the reproduction of that technique is what makes you more creative when you actually sit down and do your own stuff. Oh, totally. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's an interesting uh, opinion. And, you know, I kind of tend to believe it because now everyone wants to be, you know, a, a special flower and express themselves without yeah. actually going through the rigors of maybe learning proper techniques and how to play other people's material. Totally. And, but, I mean, that's all. And to your point, to the, the converse, you know, sometimes it's like the fact that you don't know technique is your best technique. 
you know, but I do, I do agree with you. And I, I would say even on an indie level, you know, like a band like pavement, you know, who like cultivated this and I like pavement, but the shitty slacker aesthetic that, you know, was kind of passed down the line and this idea like I'm too cool for all this. You know, the one thing about pavement though, they might not have been able to play very well, mm-hmm. but they could write songs, man. That's the definitely thing. Could. it's like their technical ability is the songwriting process. The same way, like a guy like like Bob Dylan, for example, mm-hmm. is not the greatest singer, can't play guitar, mm-hmm. but he can write a song. Totally. So I mean, but yeah, I mean, I but still that slacker. The, for for the one pavement that they, you have, there's mm-hmm. a legion of other bands that don't quite hit the mark the way they do, mm-hmm. that still can't play their instruments, but they can't write songs. Yeah, so exactly. I mean, and that's the thing. That's the thing about that band and, like, about, like, you know, like, let's just say Guided by Voices in some sense. You know, like, Guided by Voices, I adore them. I think what, you know, like, what Bob Pollard was doing was a lot of it was just kind of, like, quick sketchbook shit of, like, brilliant ideas that were like flare-ups and maybe some of them were fully baked and some of them weren't you know and that's that was kind of the genius behind that but i think some of these people like when you when you cop like there's there are bands now that try to do guided by voices and what essentially what they're doing is (laughs) they're copying a half-baked idea so in some ways Makes it even makes it completely intelligible. Yeah. So I don't know. Anyways, that's my whole thing. But um, yeah, that's that's what I think. Is like to me, the bar is lowered because of because of um, you know the barrier to entry is so low, you know, um, and that has good repercussions and bad. You know, um, there are bands that have just shot up out of nowhere um because they were actually good but they you know they just all they had was a band camp and people actually agreed that they were a good band you know that's kind of empowering though i think is that you know it's you know the sort of populist idea of being able to just put together something put it up online and like have people respond to it is like way more of a uh i think it's like a help it helps more because back in the old days it was like you had them have a demo tape and somehow that made it to the people you know before you had any kind of way of distributing your music you know Mm -hmm. like you made demos you had to get shows mainly mainly that was what the demo tape existed for is to Mm -hmm. get like gigs but you know the the tape trading whole the whole you know death metal tape trading world people ended up finding out about music that way but Mm -hmm. now it's you know, pretty much anyone can find your stuff these days and utilizing that avenue is, um, you know, required by people trying to, to do bands and be creative. You yeah. Know? I, I will tell you that, you know, for as many zillions of shitty bands that are on like Bandcamp, SoundCloud, whatever, um, there's a few success stories that blow my mind. Like one of them that absolutely blows my mind I don't know if you're familiar with the man Sheermag. No, I haven't heard okay. of them. So Sheermag is this band. They're kind of like, it's kind of like a mix between like Riot Girl, um, Thin Lizzy, P- 
punk and um, maybe even a little, little Skinner in there. Wow. Okay. People have a knee-jerk reaction to that band. I like them, and people who don't like them, I get it too. But the one thing that's undeniable is the fact that they have they've only had three seven inches, all self-released. Okay, and not only were those self with those self-released, they have no management, and they've been able to play. Um, they played late night with Seth Meyers. Oh wow. And they were on Coachella, you know, and have done several national tours, you know, and, uh, you know, they do have a booking agent because you can't get away with that without a booking agent. But still, I mean, that to me indicates a new world order for this kind of thing. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Um, and I think that is so badass and they absolutely love that. So. Yeah, because I mean, major labels actually have gotten out of the business of actually making music. You know, I mean, I don't. I mean, I, I might be wrong about this, but like Spotify and like all these streaming, um, you know, platforms, mm-hmm. are they? I believe that they're owned by the by former majors or people that used to do the major labels, or you know, that's a lot of these people that are are in those platforms that I understand are people who understand licensing deals, yeah. um, which I assume that that you know and i don't know for a fact but i assume that a lot of them would have to have that experience whether whether record or media in general yeah um but yeah i mean and obviously there's advantages and disadvantages of that too i mean i'm not gonna lie and say i don't i don't use spotify all the time but do i understand that it's probably on the aggregate harmful for a band Probably, you know, but you know, it's a, I use it, man. It's yeah. like, you know, especially when someone tells you about some band and you know, you don't want to in, like order their LP or whatever. It's like a good mm-hmm. way of discovering stuff. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, I still like to buy, I buy things on like iTunes all the time. And mm-hmm. you know, I actually use Bandcamp to download like higher res versions of recordings and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And that's how I actually, uh, McGuire, like their entire catalog, because, um, you know, it's quite expensive to, to order, well, it used to be expensive to order, mail order their, their LPs. Yeah. So, um, I tried to find it on iTunes. I couldn't find it. I tried to, you know, steal it off the internet. Couldn't uh-huh. find it. Uh-huh. The only way I got those first few records digitally was to go to their, their Bandcamp page and pay for it, mm-hmm. you know, suggested whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, it's a useful tool for sure, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, yeah, I, uh, I agree with you. Like, well, yeah, Maguire, I, I love that. Band. Oh yeah, man, dude, um, dude, they're great, man. I only have one of their LPs, and they're and it's definitely like a kind of thing where I'm searching to, like, add to that collection. But yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're a killer band, and the fact that you can get those things on Bandcamp, I think, is is a very awesome thing, and. Uh, you know, just the fact that all these things are so readily available. I mean, you, I mean, I'm, I like you and I are around the same age, yeah. and like, I mean, you and I had to fucking roll the dice to buy records when we were like teenagers. Oh, dude, you know, you'd order something from like the SST catalog, and it'd show up like two months later. Yeah, and like, you know, yeah, it's it was like order mail order back in those days was like dodgy. You know what I mean? Real yeah. sketchy. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, and uh, that's the thing. It's like we're, and even you know, just the other night I watched that, 
this documentary on uh, on uh, Tower Records, mm-hmm. like the rise and fall of that, and it reminded me of why I went there so much. It's because they had those um, goddamn listening stations, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. which nobody had at the time, and you could actually sit there and say, "This record's sick," you know. Or there's there were times where I'd spend like two hours in that store just going station to station and just listening to to each one of those some of them for 10 seconds and some of them for you know 20 minutes you know yeah i miss tower honestly it's like that aside from you know what you just described it was it had the magazine section and the books and everything and it was just like the video you know videos all that stuff Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and uh you know that that is a real that it's sort of institution, be it Tower Records, Virgin Megastore, or Kim's Video. Mm-hmm. Like, all that stuff going away in, like, New York City, I think really took a hit by that. Because, you know, like, I would just go and hang out there, man. I would be, mm-hmm. like, in that neighborhood, and I would just go. Or I would be on St. Mark's, I would just go to Kim's. Totally. I knew I could do find something to do there. Even if I didn't buy anything, I could, like, look at the books or, you know, whatever. And that you bring up a really great point. Because somebody was saying to me, Oh, well, you know, what's the difference now? You know, you can get whatever you want on the internet anyway. And sure, they're right. But half of the fun was stumbling on some shit you had never seen, never heard of, and realize, oh, actually, I am into this. Yeah. You know? 100%. And, like, that's the kind of thing that maybe have that does happen on the internet, but it's completely different, like, face-to-face. And... Sometimes, especially with these obscure genres and these wider genres, a lot of times people don't connect the dots like that. You yeah, know? Like, definitely. And so that's that's a thing. And you know, I don't know. I I I miss that too. Um, it's funny. I was I was telling my buddy about a really interesting story about when I was younger, um, and I think this is a good parallel. Um, so, you know, when Downward Spiral came out. Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I was a big fan, yeah, but, um, I didn't, I, you know, I was going to go buy it and it's funny. I'll always remember this. I went to a record store in a mall and I went to go buy downward spiral and I take it up to the counter. I'm, I'm a young kid. And this guy at the counter says, you don't want to buy that. And I was like, really? And he's like, he's like, hold on. He goes out and he comes back. And he brings me Knights of Reb, that, that total age. Okay. And I bought that record because mostly because I was embarrassed yeah. at that moment. Yeah, like outed you <laughs> somehow. Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought that record and it blew my fucking mind, you know? And it's such a sick record. And it sounds, even today, it doesn't sound dated at all. Yeah, you solid. know? Definitely. Um, and then... I mean, of course, I went to. I actually, you know, I think that was the same good. And I think I went to like another store down the. You kind of snuck away, and yeah, picked up that record somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But that, those, those like little formative things, you know, like these little moments like that, like going to a punk store and seeing suggested picks. I remember seeing suggested picks, and one of the suggested picks was "Those Who Fear Tomorrow" by Integrity, which mm-hmm. is like to me is like one of the most formative records for me. Cause it's like metal and hardcore. And it was like everything I loved in one thing. And I remember seeing that and I, and it was like beside like youth of today and 
you know, Gorilla Biscuits and a couple, I can't even remember. I think it was probably by like a, a battery record or, yeah. or Worlds Collide or something like that. But like seeing that cover, that grim, dark, evil oh, yeah. cover against those, I was just like, dude. The artwork, <laughs> Integrity's artwork caught me way before I even like checked the band out. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I was like, oh man, this is like right up my alley, you know? And it, yeah. it's like, I got into them like right around the time I was checking out Dead Guy and, you know, like that era of like mm-hmm. Victory Records. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, obviously, you know, everyone listening to this podcast knows I love metal. So it's like, yeah. that's, um, you know, right up my alley too, man. It wasn't like this kind of feel good, positive, like vibe, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Especially in that era, it was like, it's like fucking dangerous shit, you know? Like, I don't know. It was just, it was just totally of its own world. Yeah. You know? So there was also the the sketchy like references to Charles Manson and the uh, process church of final judgment. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All this stuff that right around that time I was like peaking my interest. Like I was like deep into like all that stuff, like right around the time I found all those integrity records. Yeah. Like, you know, as an extension of my obsession with black flag and Henry Rollins and Greg Ginn, you know, there were, you would always see like in Raymond Pettibone would always reference Manson. So like, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, reading all this Helter Skelter, you know, you know, the ultimate evil. And then you stumble upon the process church and then you find like this record, you know, humanity is the devil, you mm-hmm. know, which is like right out of their texts, you know, yeah. and it's like, yeah, yeah this, is, this is I got to check this out. Yeah. Yeah, that was my shit. Man. I mean, but yeah, anyways, whatever. Um, so, yeah, those, you know, those stores and just those conversations were so so formative me formative to me i mean i still have those conversations now i mean like you and i will bullshit about a record and stuff like that but um yeah i don't know i mean it it just means something different when you're 12 and here's this guy who lives and breathes records who's telling you you should get that not this also i think back then like having a place to go to got you out of the house man yeah like today Everything is like forcing you to stay in your house. It's mm-hmm. like you know you got you got Netflix, you got HBO Go, mm-hmm. you got iTunes, you got Spotify, you got all these things which are mobile, but you still find yourself sitting in front of your computer or your Apple TV, mm-hmm. and things are coming to you, as opposed to you taking an adventure and going out to that to them. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, you know as humans, you know as hunter gatherers, naturally we need to like you know be more mobile than we are. You know, and I think that's, you know, like being able to go somewhere is like an important thing that seems to be lacking from our society these days. And that's really why I miss like when those stores all went away, it's like, you know, you'd finish your work and you'd be like, okay, I'm going to go to Tower Records. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go to Virgin. I'm going to go to Kim's. And now it's just like, well, I guess I'm just going to go home. (laughs) It's like, you know, or go to a bar, or who knows, you mm-hmm. know, whatever you're mm-hmm. into. But for me, I wanted to go to places like that and, like, check stuff out, you know. Well, yeah, and I, I think I think what it is, I think it, what it is is the discovery element that's, and what, when I say discovery element, I mean it's the out-of-the-box discovery element. Because, I mean, you and I know that we could type band, you know, like go to Google and type in Bandcamp, post-hardcore, and then listen to all this stuff. But what we're talking, what I'm talking about is maybe like accidentally stuff or just covering oh, yeah. that shit. Cause I, like, I think that's what it's really about, you know? No, definitely. You know, um, there's this guy, Malcolm, who used to um, run uh, this uh, store in Connecticut called Trash American Style, which a lot of people know about. And 
you talk to anyone from, you know, like basically our age who lived in like the Northeast in the, you know, the eighties and the nineties and up until maybe 10 years ago, I think mm-hmm. is when it closed. Mm-hmm. Um, they know about trash American style and mm-hmm. it's, uh, like that guy, he had descriptions on some of the records too. It's like if for fans of tragedy and his heroes gone, check mm-hmm. out this group. And it's like from Azure's rise or something like that. That's great. You know? And it's like, you know, that was where, when I was in high school, I remember I picked up uh, my first gun club record there. And it was like, I bought it cause it sounded like a cool name, you know? Mm-hmm. And the dude is like, cause he knew the kind of stuff I was into. I was like, at the time I was like really into X and the cramps and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, yeah, you'll like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you'll like this band because mm-hmm. I know that you and I, you've been coming here into this store for like two years and I see the stuff you buy. Yeah. So now I know that with that intel, I can make a judgment call and say, you're probably going to like Gun Club, you know? And yep. it's like, I guess now there's an algorithm, you know? Like, in a way, like, you you log into your Facebook account and there's like all the stuff that you bought on Amazon. Like, there's mm-hmm. ads for that kind of stuff, but it somehow lacks the same you know, emotional component that talking to somebody in person does, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And it's, it's, it's funny you say that because just to like kind of bring this conversation full circle in that, you know, people were saying to me when I was starting this site, like, why would you start a site like this? Why do you know, like we're in this age where everyone's, where you can get music suggested to you at any given point And like, and, and that's this this conversation is exactly why I wanted to start that. Yeah, you know, it's that at the end of the day, like I like people to suggest things to me that I probably wouldn't have heard of, you know, and I think other people like that too, and so um, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this. It's just because it's frankly it's something I'm going to do anyway, you know. I mean, I'm always going to do this, whether I'm going to do this for, for a job or whether I do this on the weekends, you know, while I'm working a factory or whatever, I don't know. I mean, like who knows where I'm going to be in 10 years with this. Um, I'm still going to do this shit. So, so if someone were to ask you what actually was your, you know, like your mission statement or what the hell you want to call it. Like, you know, cause like when I first met you, you were doing Brooklyn vegan. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you were like metal guy broke me and then mm-hmm. there was like the invisible oranges mm-hmm. you know corporate takeover or whatever you want to call it <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah you know that yeah. that big deal that went down you yeah, know yeah, yeah. They, i read about it in wall street journal <laughs> yeah and then there then you were uh you were editor of noisy yeah and now you have this new venture that you're working on so sure. what's what's the uh you know the, the the meat of this whole thing um well the meat of the whole thing is i just wanted to I mean, I, frankly, when I was at Noisy, um, a lot of what was going on with Noisy was, um, you know, I mean, what was going on with Noisy kind of mirrors what's going on with Vice as a whole, you know. Vice is pushing towards trying to get bigger, 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 bigger. When um, a lot of what Vice, to me, the bread and butter of Vice is showing the underworld, you know. And I felt like that wasn't going on at Noisy, you know? That wasn't what I was being pushed to do in some sense. Um, so I honestly, you know, I'm, I'm, I was 
39 years old then. Um, you know, working in music journalism is a tough business. It's kind of a young man's game, you know. Um, so I was wondering if it was even something I wanted to do anymore. So I kind of stopped doing noisy and I started trying to give like give a give a shot to like producing video and doing doing all that kind of stuff and uh, it was I was definitely challenging definitely interesting I loved it um, but I decided I wanted to give this another shot and it's because for the exact same reason I was telling you it's like I was listening to this stuff I will always listen to this stuff I will always hear stories from friends and band guys and all of this about things that should be told to everyone you know and I just I just want to tell stories you know um, and so that's it and I, I want to tell stories and I want to try to do justice to a world that has meant so much to me you know and that's rock in general you know and hopefully I can do that. I don't. I think that's a really tall order for anyone to do. But so I'll do my best to do some of that. Yeah, I mean it's you know it's a noble uh, endeavor. I think. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's really a short of it. It's like, I you know like, I love this shit. <laughs> oh, it's killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what records have come out recently that you've been into? Like, you know, since we're hmm. talking about turning people on to stuff, so. Yeah. Um, we were talking. Well, we talked earlier about that Summerlands record, which I really like. Um, that's uh, um, Arthur, who is a note, you know, noteworthy producer. He's also sometime member of Power Trip. Sometime, um, oh well, I guess he is a member of War Hungry, um, and he's got a bunch of other things that he does. Like he's produced records for like Inquisition and all kinds of shit. Um, also in that band is DFJ, who is, you know, long time Boston hardcore veteran guy, been in a zillion bands, although he seems like he's pushing more towards a metal realm now, you know, between his death metal band, innumerable forms. I mean, his membership in magic circle, then he's got Summerlands. you know, these are all like more traditional acts as opposed to what he was doing a lot of before which was like hardcore and like infest type you know like uh, power violence violence shit yeah um and then phil from hour of 13 who i think has incredible pipes you know um that's a sick record um let's see I'm going to look, looking at my phone, excuse me. Um, <laughs> I really like the Vanity record a lot. Um, Vanity's a Brooklyn Brooklyn band. Their last record was more oi and kind of, frankly, sounded like Screwdriver, like Screwdriver without the guilt. Like the, uh, the you know, all screwed up, the first record. Yeah, not, yeah, not yeah. The, uh, white Power record. None of that other stuff, of course not. <laughs> Um, yeah, but they, uh, the new one's a little bit closer to like somewhere between like a pub rock record and like, um, Slade and, uh, I don't know, lots of like kind of, uh, that five, seven stretch. Yeah. You know, 
yep. a lot of that kind of shit, which is cool. Like nobody does that shit anymore. I, I love it. Um, <clears throat> let me see. I'm still listening to that Andy Stott record that came out earlier this year. Oh, cool. Really yeah. good record. Yeah. Um, Vanity. I haven't heard them. Yeah. They're, uh, they're from Brooklyn. Okay. The singer is Evan Radigan. His brother is in Bravo Mob. Okay. And also Magic Circle. Right on. Um, let me see. I really like this death metal band from here, Gasmane. Oh, yeah. Totally, yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. They're sick. Did you ever see them? I think they only no. played once. I never saw them, no. Yeah, I, I'm dying to see them. Um, let me see what else I like that's in here. Uh, ooh. Um, well, I like this hardcore band called Fury a lot. You're wearing a Fury t-shirt. Right? I am. That's awesome. This is actually their first seven inch. Um, but yeah, their new LP is really good. I think it's on triple B. Okay. It's really good. It's kind of, uh, you know, it's just kind of uh throwbacky eighties yeah. stuff, which just hits the spot for me, you know, um, not gonna, not gonna lie. Uh, I always love this band Tenement. I don't know Tenement. if you're familiar with them. I've seen their name listed for shows. Yeah, but I don't think I know what they sound like. Tenement. Um, like they've they've played through New York before. Yeah, they might even be from here. Are, are they? They're no. from uh, no, they're from Baltimore? Wisconsin. Oh, I'm completely yeah, yeah. wrong. No, but you would think they were from here because they they come through here all the time. Yeah, because they play a lot, right? Yeah, in this yeah. area. Yeah. yeah, they're they are absolutely sick, and they're. One of these bands, kind of like, they're kind of like a, a guided by voices or something in that, or like coffins or something in that. There is always something out, you know. Oh yeah, man. You know. Yeah, yeah those guys are very prolific. Both of those yeah. artists that you just mentioned. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like every time I think I'm caught up with the coffins, coffins, anything. There's another split or another four splits or whatever the hell it is. But um, but yeah, I mean like. Tenement's kind of like a power pop band. They're definitely rooted in punk, but uh, I don't know. They're killer. They had this double LP last year that I really loved called Predatory Highlights. Um, and they've got a couple comps that came out recently. Um, I don't know. What else What else have I been listening to? Uh... I'm literally looking through my phone as I say all this stuff, by the way. I really like that Blood Incantation record. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah it's sick. Good. Sick record. I'm excited to see them. Um, I like this band called Culture Abuse a lot. Culture Abuse. Yeah. I'm, I'm familiar with the name, but I haven't, I haven't heard them. Sounds like Sugar Era Bob Mould. Oh, okay. Yeah, which, yeah I like those. I like those. The yeah. first couple of Bob Mould. Sugar Records. Oh my God, it hits the spot for me. Graceland, I think it was the first one. Is that what it's called? Uh, no, the first one is. Oh wait, so two East... of the guys were in a band called Graceland. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the first one is Copper Blue. Copper Blue, yeah. And the second one's File Under Easy Listening, yep. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I like those. I like this band Re. Re from France. R I X E. Okay. It's like French Oi. Really good stuff. Um, I don't know. So you're, you're, I see a theme here with Oi. You're, you're a fan of that style of music. I am. I think it's just, frankly, I mean, you. I mean, we've known each other for a long time. Yeah. Um, I just get, I get in moods. 
Yeah. Do you like Rose <laughs> Tattoo and stuff like oh, that? Oh, I love Rose Tattoo. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, man, Australian bands in general, I have a soft spot for it. For same. Like, you know what Total I mean? Like, same. like Beat Suburban, Rose yeah. Tattoo, The yeah. Angels, um, yeah. you know, Lubricated Goat. Yeah, Cosmic Psychos, and yeah. of course, you know Nick Cave and all those guys. Absolutely, there's just something like even even a guy like Nick Cave who sings like a lot of love songs and everything. Just something rugged about these motherfuckers. Yeah, man. there's just like they look like rough guys, mm-hmm. but they're also creating this like music that's very beautiful in most cases. Like, you know, in my opinion, Be Suburban cover all the all the spectrums, an entire spectrum of like. You know, songs about getting punched in the face and like songs about being heartbroken. It's like mm-hmm. the entire realm of human experience is sort of expressed by that band. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, are, are you familiar with them? Be oh, Super yeah, Real? totally. Yeah, I love totally. them. Man. They're like one of my favorite bands. I, you know, I totally agree with, with that. I, and I don't, you know, it's funny because I had that, I don't get it either because I feel like there is something about it. Maybe it's kind of, Maybe it's the fact that they're on the other side of the world and there's like a a, a quiet desperation or something, you know? Yeah, we're running out of resources too down there. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> I don't know, you know? Yeah. But even now, there's a lot of good Australian bands. Like, I really like this band called Power. Um, they're from Australia. Power. Power. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it is straight up uh stooges 71 worship okay and they nail it cool it's great power uh, yeah yeah one of the guys is in that uh you know that band chromosome yeah yeah actually i do know that band. Yeah, yeah 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 all right so there's, there's a member from that band that's in yeah. power yeah okay so it's it's which is really funny to think about like it's like one is like one is like the simplest punk ever and the other is like just absolutely the 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 furthest entry point from punk you know like like that kind of noise attack yeah pseudo disc close shit you know but you know it's people are into all different shit oh no i I think it's great yeah i I think it's great but it's just funny to like associate those two like that but um yeah i don't know there's so many so many good australian bands i don't know so in that interim period between closing out business at noisy and starting starting uh clairvoyant Mm -hmm. uh you, you mentioned you, what what, other, what things were you doing between that? Um, well, I helped with the uh, Vice Records label a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, I helped them a little bit with the Headwound City record. I'm not familiar. I don't, I'm not sure if you know Headwound City, but Headwound City is basically this quote unquote super group with uh, two members of Blood Brothers, uh, Nick from Yeah Yeah Yes, and. Um, and Justin from the Locust. Oh, okay. And it's kind of people ask me what it sounds like, and the best way I can describe it is like like a less ADD Blood Brothers. You know? Yeah, like I could see that Blood Brothers if they only had guitar, bass, drums. Basically. Yeah, it's like also it seemed like in that band, like every other measure, they were changing shit. And it was exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. A little, sometimes difficult to listen to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I did that. I did a lot of video producing. Um, I bet there's going to be a few noisy videos that come out in the next uh, few months that will be of my direction. Like oh, cool. I directed a few videos. Um, let me see. 
I did some stuff for this thing called Daily Vice, which is kind of like, uh, the best way to describe it is a Vice Digest. Okay. It kind of like skims across the top of what everyone's doing and says, this is what you need to know about. Uh, I did that a little bit. Um, I was working on talent a little bit, too. Uh, and what that means is... I was just going to ask you, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. So let's say, let's say that, for instance, Munchies is doing a piece on coffee. I would say, oh, shit, I know Mike. You know, Mike... Mike has his own coffee thing. Like, you should talk to Mike Hill. Here's his email. Here's his phone number. Oh, I got you. Okay. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, you know, like, or I might say, you know, I got to find this. I got to find that and get, you know, it might not be as easy as just somebody that I know. It might right. be somebody I have to get to, which is several hoops and maybe even sales, like, kind of like sales decks and, like, all that kind of bullshit. Oh. So, so, I don't know. So, I kind of had a... uh I had a, I wore a lot of hats there, a lot of, but it was all centered around music. Yeah, you know, which was cool, um, and I liked, I liked doing something a little bit different. You know, um, the uh, a few years ago, one of the things that you were very active in, and I was going to ask you, um, you, you used to book like tons of shows. You had uh, South by Southwest. You had something going on. He's coming. Okay. Yeah. And um, are you? Uh, so what's that? Are you, you going to get? You going to get into that now? Again? I'm still doing some show stuff. Um, it's hard. Uh, first of all, I I don't want to do South by ever again. Um, South by's tough, and I don't know. I feel like I feel like it's hard for anyone to come up on top at South by, except for you know um, Pepsi, yeah, and Budweiser, you know. I mean, let's 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 be frank though. A lot of bands were made at South by. And, oh, totally, man. Um, but I feel like I don't know. It's just I feel like the tides are changing a little bit, and maybe maybe that's my perception, and maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but it feels kind of like that. Um, and I don't know. Uh, I guess you know. I'll think about that when it comes to it. That's kind of where my head is right now, but. Um, as far as doing shows, I was doing so many shows. Yeah, man, at the end. definitely you were. Um, I was at one point, I had 65 shows in a year, which is, you know, like more than one a week, which is a lot to promote at once, you know, especially because I had a full-time job. Yeah, man, totally. And, but, um, so I, I don't know if I'm ever going to get back to that level because I want to make sure that I can give the right amount of attention to these things. And I feel like I'm being pulled in a hundred different ways. So I'm still going to do stuff on occasion, but I don't want, I wanted to make it count and I want it to be special every time, you know? And frankly, you know, like when I stopped getting less looks for shows, it kind of, um, it kind of uh, coincided with the rise of rise in New York of uh, St. Vitus and Akron at the same time. You know, it's kind of like I was doing everything. Uh, I'm sure you remember. I was doing everything at like Union Pool yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Acheron and, and St. Vitus basically came up at the exact same time within like a month of each other. And, you know, both of those 
both of those places have, you know, had made, have made their own legends, even though one of them's, you know, ROP obviously, but, uh, you know, as those things kind of have gone, those things kind of went in a way. And so they went in a very positive way. Like Vitus is a worldwide institution at this point. You know something, man? I didn't, I had my doubts, man, in the early days. Yeah. As I remember like already being like, yeah, I'm going to open up a bar. We're going to have shows. It's going to be called St. Vitus. I'm yeah. like, awesome, man. When, when are you, I'm going to go and hang out. And it's yeah. like, yeah, we're going to have shows. It's going to be all the way down on Greenpoint Avenue, like <laughs> way in the middle of fucking nowhere when there's, yeah. you're like a mile away from the nearest train. Yeah. Well, actually, you're closer to the seven than you think, actually. Yeah. But, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, you know, observing. I want to see how that, ha- you know, it came together. But yeah, I mean, that's the place to play, man. It's like, you know, Carcass played there. Like, you know, everyone plays there. It's like even. Even big bands will play like two nights in a row there. They'll yeah. fly bands in playing and, you know, yeah. and it's uh, it's like a kinder, gentler version of CBGB's in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, CBGB's was like opportunities. Like you can, there was opportunity, but there was also predation. Like whenever you did shows there, it mm-hmm. was like somehow the money didn't really, you know, there was never, there was always some, some flim flam that went on. You didn't quite make what you thought you were going to make or whatever but like someone breaks into your van or like you get mm-hmm. a ticket or you get towed or like whatever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but um but you know vitus is like i think like a uh, way easier place to play at and like people come man yeah right? yeah yeah it's got a built-in there. audience it's crazy yeah you know and like the other thing too i never thought about is like if you're if you live on long island it's like very easy to get to you know mm-hmm. it's like one of these and also you don't have to deal with manhattan like parking yeah you know it's like if you're a band you have a van you're playing anywhere in manhattan it's a nightmare mm-hmm. try especially if you're playing on a friday or a saturday night to like just park your van that's like mm-hmm. at a reasonably close distance to where the show is mm-hmm. vitus you can pull right out in front mostly there's parking right out front it's meters yeah. no so. totally and you know the best i mean the best thing is too is like a lot of times when people start bars they're not, they don't come from that world. And those guys definitely come from that world. And I think that's, that's the coolest thing. They know what it's like to like roll up to a venue and you're treated like shit. Yeah. Yeah. Big you know, yeah. and the room sounds like shit and you know, sorry, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you enough time to check or whatever. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just bullshit like yep. that. And so those guys smell like cut through all that. And so they don't, like they understand what that's like, and I think that's that's the coolest thing. It's like it's like run by homies who get it, and um, I don't know. And I think that's why, like you know, like like for instance, like a band like I don't know, like Anthrax. Anthrax, great example. Yeah, Anthrax is playing there in a few days. You know, which to me is absolutely insane. You know, know right. you know. Um, and then, like, I'm trying to think of even what bands I. S- I've seen so many major bands. Yeah, Neurosis in that played room. there. Neurosis, yeah. Sleep played there. Yep. Descendants played there. I missed that one, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I missed that too. Um, I was at a wedding that night, um, which was like the ultimate, like, <laughs> everyone gives me shit about. But, um, I mean, everyone, you know? Yeah. Like, it's insane. 
and but it, and it's almost like a it's almost like it's kind of a joke at this point you know in some sense like like you could you could say like you and I right now could start a rumor saying saying um Metallica is going to play St. Vitus and guess what there's probably going to be a lot of people that's going to fucking believe that. I definitely believe, think it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, oh yeah, I forgot about the biggest thing I saw there. I saw the quote unquote Nirvana reunion. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, Which was ridiculous and a one time lifetime thing. So it was Chris Novoselic and Dave Grohl and, and who like Jay Maskis was involved somehow. Yeah. So basically the core of the band was, the three guys, you know, like uh, Pat Smear, oh, Pat Smear, right? Yeah. Pat Smear, Chris, and um, Dave Grohl, and then they had a revolving cast of front men or front women, however you want to put it, um, that involved. Let me see, Jay Maskus, um, Joe Jett. Oh wow, Joe Jett, Kim Gordon, uh, Saint Vincent. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on some of this. The Deer Tick Kid, I forgot his name. Um, I feel like there were others too. That's all I can remember right now. But like in that moment, in that room that night, it was pretty insane. You know, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I like, I like Nirvana. I'm not one of these people that's going to sit there and like ride for them and they're you know uh, and, and treat treat Kurt like some like like uh deity fallen deity it just that shit drives me nuts to be honest with you especially you know I I always compare them in my head to the Melvins who I are like one of my favorite bands and and clearly um you know uh Kurt has said many times on record that you know a lot of the times they were stealing stealing Melvin's ideas and stuff like that, you know, but, but yeah, all that said, incredible night. Sure. Fun show. I'm not a big Nirvana fan actually either. Yeah. You know, I like them. I'm just not into this deifying. I'm not deifying virtually anyone, but I mean, especially not that. I mean, Nirvana is like an interesting thing culturally. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like the band itself for me, Mm-hmm. Not not so much really, but the cult, the cultural idea of how they took quote unquote punk rock and made it into this like um, above ground, legitimate whatever, you know, something that people. I mean, if some kid got into Nirvana and then he found Black Flag and like Flipper, mm-hmm. that's great. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of how I see the band is more of like this, you know, uh, liaison between uh, your average guy and the deep underground, mm-hmm. you know. And that's like, uh, you know, without without their success, there wouldn't have been, you know, Faith No More and all these other bands' successes later mm-hmm. on, I think. You know, like yeah. labels probably wouldn't have taken a chance on these more, you know, harder to digest sort of bands. Totally. So Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, you know, thank God for them. I mean, like, one of my favorite bands, it's kind of a weird band to, to like, but one of my favorite bands is the DC band Jawbox. Sure. And um, there's no way they would have been able to make sweet uh, for your own special sweetheart if it wasn't for Nirvana, and like 
that band probably wouldn't have gone anywhere. Teenage Fan Club, another yeah. band that I love. Like, so many bands. Helmet. Like I was just going to say Helmet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, virtually everything, you know? Sonic Youth. Like, all of this shit. All of this shit. None of it would be anywhere without them. Yeah, because, like, Teen Spirit uh, came out, Nevermind came out in uh, 91, I think, right? No, I think it was. I think it was before that, because I think I really? was in junior high, which would mean it would be like ninety or eighty nine. Okay, because I I graduated in ninety four, and then ninety four I think is when in the when meantime by helmet came out. I think it might have been before that. You think so? Ninety three, yeah. ninety four, something like that. I think it might have been like ninety two even. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it might have been a little, yeah, it sounds later. Or maybe actually 92 might be right. Because The Crow came out when I was in college. Yeah, in 95. Okay. Right. And The Crow preceded Betty, right? Yes. And so I think it was like, you know, it was definitely 92, 93. Now I think about it because that was one of the first shows I saw on my own was I saw Helmet after Meantime and before Betty. At the nine thirty club, that little when they were when it was, that a, was small, a sh- yeah, yeah, the shit hole, yeah, yeah, not the big one that they have now, but uh, yeah, so yeah, a, I mean, even that that whole floodgate of bands like was opened by Nirvana. You know, oh like, yeah, Helmet probably wouldn't have been able to get any traction. They would still have been on Amphetamine Reptile all those years, totally, or broken up or something. Like that, yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean. You can't, you cannot hate on that. That's amazing, you know. Yeah. All of that, all of that shit, all that shit. Even like Beavis and Butthead, you know. I mean, like, dude, I, I wouldn't know about Crowbar if it wasn't for Beavis and Butthead. I wouldn't know about Unsane if it wasn't for uh, Beavis. Oh and yeah, the scrape video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah was... I, I um, Crowbar. It's funny, man. Like, I just recently came to like them because. I saw them play with I Hate God like years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, it was like, I wanted to see I Hate God. Then Crowbar played for like an hour and a half or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't, I wasn't familiar with them, but I was like, oh, I should, people tell me I should like this band. So, yeah. and I was just like, man, I, I don't feel this because like I wanted this too long, just droned on too long. And yeah. it took me years to actually catch up to them. But now I, now I like them quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like at first I was. When I first heard them, I was just like, well, first of all, let's be fair. Like, in that era, I, I just want fast, 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 fast shit. I wanted it faster, faster, faster. And they were playing so slow. And then it wasn't until, like, later, like, I, I saw that video. And then um, that song, All I Had I Gave, I remember that specifically. Just kind of, like, the chorus and, like, the way that Kurt looked or Kirk looked in the, in the way he was singing it in the video, I was like, this is like brutal fucking shit. Yeah. You yeah know? Totally. Like, yep. I don't know. I, I loved it. And I was like, and they, they were like that band. And obviously I hate God just kind of like changed my mind about like slow can be brutal, you know? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, that, for yeah. me, it went back to like my war, I sat by a uh, black flag man and that was like yeah. you know that's the stuff I liked by them more than the, than the punk rock like hardcore stuff was like oh, yeah. when it got really slow and evil sounding oh me too yeah. I mean but not at that point yeah. like like 
uh, like black flag to me, I, I like, this is how black flag worked for me. It's like, I was into first four years. Yeah. You know? Okay. And then I didn't give a shit about the rest of it. And then I get into, you know, like, like more like kind of like crowbar, like doom stuff and, you know, stuff like that. And then I start to get my war and I start mm-hmm. to get some of these like a little bit later pieces. And then as I got more experimental and more open-minded with heavy music, that's when I started to discover the entirety of their catalog. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, I never, I was never one that just liked all of Black Flag. You know, I didn't get all of it, to be fair, you know? I, um, I like all of it, but I don't love all of it. Like yeah. the early stuff, the, the fast punk stuff is not for me, really. I mean... Yeah. You never the, had a moment with that? The Dez, like when, when, Dez when Dez was singing? Yeah. Like that era? Yes. Yeah. But like, I always like Keith Morris way better in the Circle Jerks. Okay. And, uh, you know, Ron Reyes, I thought, you know, Revenge was cool. Yeah. Um, but like, for me, I think because the first record I heard by Black Flag was uh, was um, Slipping In. Yeah. And that was, you know, that was like mid-tempo, but it was like... When I heard the song Black Coffee, I was like, this sounds like fast Black Sabbath because it just had this like mm-hmm. bluesier like kind of vibe to it. And uh, and that was just like, you know, that's what hooked me in was that. And like Rollins and just like this sort of more metal like vibe with what they were doing. And then like In My Head is probably my favorite Black Flag album. That's the one that no one even talks about ever. Yeah. Wow. Because that's just like such a like claustrophobic, just like, completely solipsistic like record it just seems like you know some guy living on the edge of town somewhere in the warehouse district yeah by himself with like a light bulb and a, and a, a fucking mattress on the floor and just yeah. thinking about today is today gonna be the day i kill myself or i'd go to my job at the fucking mine <laughs> yeah know? yeah yeah and like that whole that whole vibration of that record was like so heavy for me when I heard it. And I was just totally. like, man, this is like, you know, some special shit, you know? And then of course, yeah. like the drinking and driving song, you know, the video for that. Yeah. You know, it's like almost imploring someone to go out there and kill himself, you know? Mm-hmm. And it just mm-hmm. like that at the time, at the time, at the age I was at, that was like the ultimate like negative like stance. You yeah. Know? And that was just like really. That record is still to this day my favorite Black Flag album. Yeah, my I mean my my Black Flag discovery is very traditional and very boring. I mean, you know, I grew up in D.C., so obviously I discovered uh, Minor Threat very early. Yeah, totally. And that just led down all those kind of like first wave hardcore band like past like that's that's how I discovered it and that's why I wanted fast, 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 fast. And yeah. that's when it wasn't until later that I was like, Oh man, I really love this band negative approach. I really love this band poison idea. I really love SSD. I really love, you know what I'm saying? Like discovering stuff like that. And as opposed to just like, kind of just like blast, 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 you know? So did you get into John Brandon's other bands after negative approach? You know, like, like laughing uh, Oh yeah. Laughing Hyena for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a band. You know, it's funny, man. Now that, Negative Approach is active again, mm-hmm. but no, it's like everyone forgot about like 15 years of that guy's life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like Negative Approach, all through the 90s, he was doing Laughing Hyenas, then he had Easy Action, you mm-hmm. know, which... Easy Action's cool too. Great. You know, it's just, yeah. man, it's like no one's no one's crying for the Laughing Hyenas. Well, they can't really have a reunion, but like, yeah. 
no one's crying for laughing hyenas when they have like like four or five records out you know yeah totally and that kind of bums me out a little bit even though i do love negative approach yeah yeah, yeah. no i feel that i mean at least i mean that, at least that band i don't know how you feel about that band but i feel like even now they're pretty sick you mean um, the, the negative approach negative approach yeah now. fuck yeah of yeah, course yeah, yeah. yeah oh man like he's still terrifying dude john brandon is an american classic that yeah guy. yeah it's for as, sure yeah i mean he's for like sure. he's gonna be like merle haggard or something like yeah. that you know he's like in, in 20 years from now people are gonna be writing about him the way that they write about all these like you know outlaw country guys because his yeah. story he's got like a story man you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying and it's just like it's an interesting like down and out story that has like these like moments of brilliance in it you know mm-hmm. and that's like exactly you know and that that's what's so important about guys like that you know that that sort of tradition that like you know outsider outlaw vibe you know mm-hmm. has to be like captured somehow you know how, how, someone should write a book about that dude man yeah i agree yeah I mean, or you know, do, documentary yeah. or something documentary something like that i'm sure that's come i'm sure that's going to come down the line the i'm surprised point. that like to be honest with you considering that uh tony retman did that thing on on uh, uh you know like De- detroit car hardcore was it why be something that you're not yeah i'm surprised he hasn't gone down that line yeah i mean uh, it makes perfect sense yeah, yeah. You know, the necros and all that yeah yeah necros are sick too yeah but yeah i mean i don't know i yeah i totally agree with you but yeah i mean yeah my my, my discovery is my musical discovery is very pedestrian i mean i'm from dc i grew up around punk you know at some point, I found an Integrity record that led me to Slayer, that led me to Entombed, that led me to like, you know, like Morbid Angel and Suffocation and Deicide, and of course, like I was in high school and Metallica One was a thing, and you know what I'm saying, like, um, and or like junior high, I guess Metallica One was a thing, you know. And, you know what's really funny about that record is when when um. Injustice for All came out. I was like, "This is the his- this is the future of music right here. This is like the future of heavy metal music." Is is this record, you know? Yeah. And then it kind of turned out to be that way, sort of. Yeah. But Metallica made that record, and then there was a couple of years, and then the Black Album came out, mm-hmm. and I just like was so disappointed by that record. I remember being excited mm-hmm. and bringing it home and listening to it, and just being like, for the first time something impossible had happened where I didn't like a Metallica record. Mm-hmm. And I had to like, you know, live with it for a while. I was just like, yeah, you know, yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Like something deep down was like bothering me about that record, man. And then that was just the beginning of the end for that band. And now that band has been what they are now longer than they've been the great band that I want to remember them. for. Yeah. It's a shame. I mean, like that streak in, I'm one of the few that's going to put Justice for All in like in that canon. Yeah. Because to me that's that's where I came in okay. anyway. So that's an important record to me. But and while I realize that it's not quite as good as the, the ones that precede it, but um those I, I love Justin Justice for All, dude. That's oh yeah, yeah. Probably my favorite one of my my second favorite record by now. Oh really? What yeah. what do you think's your favorite one? My favorite one's Ride the Lightning. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think Ride the Lightning's my favorite too. Yeah. But um, I don't know. It really depends on when you ask me because, like, sometimes I'm I'm just deep in that puppets thing. But then, like, I will get completely tired of it. Yeah. And 
can't listen to it for literally two years, you know, and then I'll come back to it and I'll be like, oh yeah, this is sick. What was I thinking? But, um, but yeah, I mean like you will not, I wonder if we will ever see a winning streak on that level ever again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, that, I mean, there's that's a, an unprecedented, unprecedented win, winning streak, just like ever. Yeah, it's like a Black Sabbath level yeah, like winning Zeppelin. streak. That's like yeah. an old school like like streak of great records. Oh yeah, you know, I mean that's the thing too, man. It's like how many, how long do bands' careers last these days? It's like as far as on that level of mm-hmm. being able to maintain like playing like huge arenas like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, most bands like that become that big make one record and they are that thing for a few years and then people forget about them you know Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. unfortunate you know i mean the last i think like the last hangers on of that you know corn and like the deftones and things like that you know they're still able to like pack in these like huge venues well you know what's funny is like i had this conversation with my dad the other day my dad was my dad and i were talking about um we're talking about rush actually and how i told him that something vibrating what's that no it's cool uh, okay i just uh, wanted to make it smaller so i keep an eye on it okay um how i told him that i felt like the era of arena rock bands mm-hmm. i feel like the last arena rock band modern arena rock band is going to be Coldplay or Arcade Fire. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. As, as fucked up and depressing as that sounds, I feel like that's kind of like where we are. Because I feel like, personally, this is, this is my opinion. You can tell me what you think about this. The segmentation of, of the audience, the more people get into like genres and sub-genres, the less likely it is, I think, that there will be a large, large, large super crossover band. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at like heavy metal or metal music. There's like black metal, death metal. There's like, you know, technical death metal. There's like, you know, depressive black metal. Yeah. These dudes who think these guys are posers and then there's these guys who think these other dudes aren't, you know, are true or whatever. Yeah. So then no no one, no one goes to all the same shows. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah. Instead of evaluating on merit, um, which I think is a whole other conversation. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. I was just talking to him about that and how I feel like in a lot of ways, the arena band has been taken over by the pop star and there's no, I mean, look at who's filling arenas now. Like, it's just like Rihanna, Drake, you know, you two. Still. Yeah. Still you too. Um, yeah. I mean, your occasional stone roses or Oasis, I bet could, Yeah. you know, but the cure, the cure. Yeah. Legacy. Yeah. You know, legacy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. New bands? I don't know. I mean, Arcade Fire? Maybe LCD Sound System, but who knows at this point? Um, Coldplay? I can't think... I mean, Metallica? 
but I mean, even Metallica to me is legacy. Legacy, yeah. I mean, to have a thirty-something year career. Yeah, yeah, point, right. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's Man, just Coldplay, dude. Yeah, Coldplay's your last great rock band. Oh, fuck, dude. <laughs> It's like their next album is going to come with a pair of free khakis or something. You're going to get like like a free pair of khakis and like a download card for the new Coldplay record. Yeah. Well, I mean, the good thing, uh, the the one thing, like, I, I'm not a fan, but I do like the fact that, like, my dad's 70-something, 70 70, like 75 or something. And actually, he is exactly 70. Um, and he still listens to a lot of new music. And, That's cool. Yeah, and he likes Coldplay, and I think the fact that he's even keeping up with new shit like that, I think, is awesome. And I send him records too, and he likes everything I send him. But I, I tend to like not stray out of the box because I know that he's very kind of rigid about what he likes at this point. Like I'll send him Coldplay, or I'll send him like, um, like he really loves like. Uh, Neil Young, so I sometimes I send him like um, my morning jacket or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I just hope to be that that adventurous when I'm that age. I hope Even... to make it to that age. Man. <laughs> you know what I mean, that's like yeah. You know, it's hard to think that far in advance sometimes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, uh. But yeah, dude, that's awesome. So, what's the uh, the address for the for the new site? Um, so it's uh, clairvoyant.com. It's C L R. V Y N T. Um, there's no vowels, but there is the Y. C L R V Y N T dot com. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just me and um, my managing editors, Andrew Bonzelli from Decibel and um, Decibel and Magnet. And my uh, other full time guy is John Hill. John Hill was on at uh, at Noisy for. Uh, two years while I was there. He's a he's a talented kid. He's 23 years old, and uh, he's way smarter than I was at age 23 for sure. So he knows his shit. But yeah, I don't know. We're we're up and running now, and I'm excited about it. And we have podcasts coming, and we have like all kinds of shit that I'm working on. Um, working on like everything from video content to. Uh, we have daily video content on Facebook. Um, I'm doing all kinds of stuff. I'm I'm trying to make this as big as possible and go down in a blaze of glory. <laughs> so that's really it. <laughs> and like social media, everything, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, yeah, yeah. all that. Yeah, Twitter is a Twitter is a clairvoyant mag. C L R V Y N T mag. Um, and Facebook, I think is C L R V Y N T. We also have a, uh, Snapchat and I have a, um, Instagram as well. And I think the Instagram is C L R V Y N T. So yeah. You know, I don't know what to do with the Snapchat, man. Yeah. Yeah. I have an account, but I don't think I've ever Snapchatted anything. Well, yeah, it's just kind of, uh, Snapchat is kind of the best the best way to describe it is, first of all, it's made for a younger audience, but now I understand it now because what I did was you use it for, it's very experiential. So it's very much, you can document what you're doing and where you're going through. So for instance, the first time 
I didn't give a shit about Snapchat until this past April when I went to Japan. Okay. And I was in Japan for 11 days and I decided I was going to really try to Snapchat my experience there. And so what that meant is any single thing that I found that was even remotely interesting, I snapped it or I made a comment on it, you know, and it became like, and the reason I did it was less for Snapchat and my, my, you know, like friends or whatever the fuck it is. I think you're called friends on there. Um, and more just so I could have for myself. It was like a personal documentary, you know, and, but it turned out really good. Now I have a question about this. Yeah. The, uh, doesn't that shit, doesn't the whole point, it's like temporary or something like that? It is temporary. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so the thing is you could, here's, here's the beauty of Snapchat versus, um, Instagram is Instagram. You have to be, I mean, it's a photo. Yeah. You, you like you can curate it. You can run it through filters. Mm-hmm. You can run it through like you can run it through like Photoshop. Yeah, you totally. can you know like I could have a photo of of me hanging out with Princess Diana or whatever the fuck. You know what I'm saying? Like total bullshit. Snapchat is real and it's now and it's only lasts for a short period of time. Is that so, the door? It's probably. Oh, here. okay. Hold on a second. What's up with all this coffee? I run a coffee company. Too. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's awesome, man. You got coffee? Uh, I do, yeah. <laughs> I just started drinking coffee about a year ago, too. Really? Yeah, it's weird. I hated it. And then I, this, um, my buddy um, from Unbroken owns a coffee shop. Oh, cool. And he's like, drink this. Oh, yeah, and then I was like, fuck, it's good. And now I'm like psyched on it. So. What, uh, so just <clears throat> all these years and then now you just started drinking coffee? I, I was like really into tea. Like, okay. You know, like kind of a tea snob. And then Rob Moran fucking threw this crazy weird like uh it calls it um viennese coffee okay yes. you know yeah, yeah right. like yeah. C- cinnamon and uh yeah honey. i know exactly yeah. what it is yeah. yeah it's great do you uh you like dark roasts or i don't know espresso? yet okay you'll have to take one of these with you then. okay yeah. cool amazing so yeah. justin you're in town with retox yeah and uh you're on tour yes How's that going? Is that is um? Or is there another band with you guys too? We, yeah, we're with um. Well, yeah. The, um, we brought um this band Silent um, with us, okay. which is um they're from Mexicali. The singer used to be in a band called All Leather with me like a while ago, and then um, we're also on tour with this other band called He's Whose Ox Is Gourd. I heard of those guys. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's it's a cool mix and it's uh very different every you know every each band or whatever. So that's good. I saw you guys last time you came through with uh, with whores. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, that was a good show. That's I fun. actually have been uh, in my head's been like up my ass for these last few days, man. Because I guess Marduk played last night or something. There was oh, like no, all they these. Canceled. Oh, they canceled. Oh, really? Yeah, they canceled. Um, yeah, I think uh, it was just uh, Marduk canceled and uh, um, Ronnie Christ was headlining. Yeah. So. Yeah. Because I was gonna go too, but yeah. That's a, that's a that's a good surprise that you guys are coming through town today. Yeah. Yeah. You also have uh, that other band with um, uh, Dead Cross, right? Yeah, yeah. That's... How's that coming along? <clears throat> um, it's been strange. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we kind of like, uh, we had like shows booked and shit before we even like had a song written. So it was, it was, it was a weird sort of scenario that we started and uh, we went in like head first and wrote like a, and a set and played a bunch of shows and then immediately went to record an album and... Um, 
we were almost done, but our singer left the band. We have a new singer, so we're re-recording vocals and stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Dave Lombardo's in that band, which yes. is pretty insane. <laughs> yeah, Did you ever think you'd be in a band with Dave Lombardo? <laughs> no. <laughs> it was funny the, the, the way it happened because um, I had... He's um, in the Misfits, too. I know, as of yesterday. Oh, yeah. no way. Yeah. Really? Yeah. But it's a drag because online you don't see anything with him. I just want to see him ripping, with, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh like, man! <clears throat> no offense to Googie or or uh, Robo, but I just want to see like Lombardo like ripping those songs, you know. Wow. But yeah, the, uh, the, the this producer I was working with on another album, Ross Robinson, he he called me. He's like, "Yeah, you want to come up and play on this um this sixteen year old Prodigy's album?" And I was like, uh, "Maybe." And he's like, "Dave Lombardo's the drummer," and I was like, "Yeah, I think I'll go do that." <laughs> so it just that's kind of like how the band started. Um, yeah, anyhow. So the 16 year old prodigy, is he still, he's still in the no, band? No, it was a girl. No, she, she, um, we were just playing on her like demo, I oh, guess. Okay, right. And then, um, <clears throat> when Ross asked, uh, hey, can you hear a guy from Retox to play guitar? And I was like, yes, of course. And so we, we did a, a, this like three or four songs with her. And then in that process, Lombardo was like, oh, my band film broke up. I need to fill these dates. You know, like, you guys want to put a band together? And then it like kind of like blew up really quick. And, and then we are a band all of a sudden. Damn. Like, I think our seventh and eighth show was on this heavy metal cruise. It was like the dumbest thing I've ever been part of. <laughs> I keep, you know, I read about those things yeah. too, man. And it sounds like a nightmare. It much... was actually really fun and nice. Fun. Like, and okay. I got to bring my girlfriend, which was cool. It's like a miniature vacation that was like pretty ironic for me, at least, you know. And uh, Gabe, who was our singer at the time, like, you know, he's like, got, he's got like that weird like kind of practical joke stuff in him like I do and so we made like a a fake poop with like a cliff bar and like threw it in the water and you know like try just try to like like prank uh fucking caddyshack yeah that was the whole thing yeah because everyone is um, so serious you know and you're like you guys like can't be that serious on a boat to Jamaica (laughs) how evil are you so was it was it like you know like Exodus and bands like that no I mean I don't, I mean, people like, I wrote an article for Noisy and they were like, um, I thought it was pretty funny, but people like, I think in the Noisy world were like stoked on it, but the people that really legitimately are into the cruise, like friggin' hate me a lot. (laughs) And they're like, you're, you're riding on Lombardo's coattails. And I was like, I I mean, he's my, I mean, I knew him from, you know, touring with Phantomos and stuff. And I was like, I just, I just went there like to play and it was, and like no one cared. They just only like wanted to see Lombardo play, you know, and they, (laughs) Um, so it was, it was like a, it was just a really strange thing. We went to Jamaica for six hours and then we bailed in the back. Well, first of all, what I think is cool about, um, about, uh, Dead Cross is that it doesn't sound specifically like something that Dave Lombardo would, would be featured on. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Like it's, it's not like, okay, cool. Dave Lombardo's putting together a band and it's like, dun, 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 dun. you know, it's not, <laughs> yeah. it's like, you know, a, uh, a sort of, um, bandwidth of like influences i think in in the um in the band you know what i mean it's not like we're playing thrash you know a lot of what what i what i hear in the band is stuff something like that you would probably play in sure than like what lombardo would play in. it was pretty natural for for mike and i you know i mean it it, it, it was a i mean it's not like retox or something um but the, a lot of this like my bass sounds are like a little you know on the side of like uh, like locusty or something, you know, yeah. like a lot of synthy weird stuff, and then of course like Mike just is a big fan of like you know Slayer and Metallica and stuff, so he has that like kind of you know '80s thrash vibe. Yeah. But the the point was to make it just like raw and nasty, and not be like what I guess people would have expected Lombardo to do. Yeah. So, so um, 
have you you guys have auditioned uh, new singers or yeah we have a new singer and he's recording the the album and stuff cool so yeah. What band? Is he from any, any notable uh, bands? I'm not allowed to say yet. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I want to say, I've told people, but they're like, he's like kind of like a an established singer and like oh, okay. they need an official announcement or something. It's like you know? Joey Belladonna or something. <laughs> it's around that realm, I guess. It's just say it's like a, a good friend of, of okay. all of ours. So hey, yeah, it'll, it'll be rad once it happens. I mean, he's already recording and cool. we, we, are, we have a label and, and stuff like that now. And so it's going to be... What, what label's putting it out? I don't know if I'm allowed to say, that, say that either. That's yeah, weird. Man. I just play bass. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and, uh, I want to be like, it's this label and this is the singer. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, actually, I mean, I'm aware of it. But, um, he's also... I mean, Justin also does like Headwood uh, uh, City which is kind of ridiculous that he's here now because he's going back to the West Coast and then coming back in literally a week. We play on the 16th in San Diego, and then the 17th we played back at St. Vitus again. Okay, so let me, let me, let me think about this logistic, <laughs> logistically here. So today's uh, Tuesday night, right? Uh-huh. Tuesday so, the 6th. Okay. Yeah, so I'll be back on the 17th with Headwind City. Okay, so... But I'm gonna go all the way across the country. I was gonna say the yeah. tour is gonna to end over here and just gonna hightail it across the country. No, the the tour ends in San Diego. Okay. Yeah. All right. But there's you guys probably don't have a lot of shows from the East Coast to the West Coast though, right? Going home. Going home. Yeah. No, it's pretty weird. Our last show is in well, we we have a show in Denver and then the next night is San Diego, so wow. it's like a, a, you know, like we've been all the way here up until now. It's been like nine hour drives. Yeah, you got one of those like. Drives, man. Yeah, I'm kind of losing it right now. I feel pretty thrashed. Too many like nights like that where you're driving. Too many days where you're you're like doing those nine, ten hour drives that really take a toll on you, man. Yeah, that's why you need some savage gold. Yeah, coffee, <laughs> copies are jammed. Keep your sure, weight, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then and then you hit the road again. Well, we and we fly back here. Fly Headwind back, City okay. flies here, and we right, just have cool. two dates, oh, uh, and then okay. and that's it. It's pretty minimal. Still pretty intense though, but like you know, it's still like. Uh, quite a bit of, of uh, ground to cover in a week yeah you know, we played uh, the day before this retox tour started I, I, headwind city played uh, in in los angeles so it's been like it was like bookend you know or whatever by by that other band so yeah no wonder you got into drinking coffee man <laughs> yeah. you need to keep awake and sharp and, on all yeah this stuff. i know <clears throat> how long has rob had that how long has rob had that um coffee shop because i heard about that it's been a few years it was yeah. crazy because they got like weird press like Hardcore, like straight edge hardcore dude, like yeah. you know, and like, like crossing over, like you know, and um, I don't know, but it's it's rad. It's an awesome spot. Um, I think I actually hooked him up with, with, Munchies, and Munchies. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That was great. Yeah. It's cool too. Like I'll, I would go like on tour. I'd be in London or something, and people are like, "Hey, tell me about Rob's coffee shop." And I'm like, "It's a freaking coffee shop, dude. You're in London. Like, <laughs> let's talk about like I don't know what his new the new Narrows record, or whatever you know something. Yeah. Like they won't yeah. like they won't talk about the coffee shop. I think they have this whole idea that you walk in. It's like, <clears throat> it's like a, it's like a, it's like Revelation meets <laughs> Revelation meets. Hard Rock Cafe, you go in and like, you know, there's like, Memory there's a guitar yeah. that I played, you know, on the, on the Unbroken record yeah. on. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like the groundwork, like Unbroken 7-inch <laughs> is like on a wall. Exactly, you know? exactly. People yeah. have like flair on and stuff like Here's that. Here's the shirt I was wearing when I made the Narrows LP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? It'd be funny because he's really into like... Uh, I think he's like into D and D and stuff like that. You know, it'd be funny. If like it was all like total nerd stuff. You know, <laughs> like, we're like, what? What is this? I went through a summer where I played a lot of D and D when I was like thirteen. I think it was cool. Yeah. 
it's like I would have totally continued doing it except for the kid the kid that um that was like the dungeon master like yeah. he he was up visiting for the summer you know he lived on Long Island and uh I grew up outside of the city I didn't grow up I'm not a native like urban New Yorker and uh so he for two months straight summer vacation we played D&D like every single day man we listened we did play that and we listened to uh, Unleashed in the East by Judas Priest, like, on a daily basis, man. Like, you know, all that stuff. And then he moved, he never came back, though. The dude went home, and then he never came back. So no one really had it together enough to keep the, uh, you know, the party together. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so I was kind of a bummer. But, you know. But I, I was, I've, I mean, you know, I have, like, comic books and fucking fantasy novels everywhere. <laughs> so you get the picture, you know sure. what I'm saying? Yeah, I've seen Rob LARPing and stuff in the in the in the park, you know, like Really? Yeah, yeah, it's funny. That's sick. <laughs> the, uh, so what's the name of the shop? Because I'm gonna be in San Diego in November. It's so. called Heartwork. Heartwork. Yeah. Okay. And it has like a carcass reference there or somewhere. Yeah, that's the yeah. uh, the second old well, not yeah. the last carcass record, but like there's Heartwork and then there was like Swan, Swan Song. Song. Yeah, I mean I, yeah. I know that. I just meant like I think as in like I think it might be related to the, you know, the album name, but who knows? Yeah. Makes sense, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I didn't know what the name was. I figured every time I've ever like dealt with him or talked to him, he's always had like such a s- Smiths. Yeah, you Morrissey would. Yep, vibe Morrissey. You would think that like he would name it after you know like girl in a coma coffee. Or, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like sing your life coffee or something like that. But that's funny. Maybe I mean hardware kind of has like a relevance to like drinking coffee, I guess. You know, yeah. to like normal people. You oh, know. Totally. You have a girl in a coma. People are like, what the? <laughs> I don't want to, I'm not I'm going there. I'm just <laughs> You're like, yeah. that was way too much caffeine. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah you don't want to alienate too many people. <laughs> yeah. Especially like, and also like, you know, like San Diego has like a very uh, kind of like middle of the road, like vibe too, in a lot of ways. Cause there's like, um, it's like a big military presence there. Right? Horribly big. Yeah. 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 Like I've been, I go there on, like on tour all the time yeah. and it's like, you know, when I first started going to San Diego, like back in the nineties, like all oh, these great bands, man. You know, like fucking from here. I bet this place is really cool. You know, yeah. and like, and it is. But also, I I was kind of blown away by how like just kind of like white and like Republican sure. it's it is. Totally conservative. It's it's like very institutionally racist. Like, it's pretty gnarly. I mean, especially because it's so close to the border. So there are these really insane like contrast with you know race relations. It's it's pretty brutal at times. Especially when on a political level. Yeah, yeah definitely. And yeah. that stuff trickles down, I think, into like the way that people create art there. You know, it, it, not even just like punk or hardcore or anything. It's I think it's just in general, like it's very, um, I don't know, like, like I don't know what the right word is, like almost. Um, I don't know, like there's a sense of urgency to a lot of what happens there, because uh, it is. It's not like it's cool. Like you can be rad and weird and you know hang out and like it's like no it's not acceptable yeah. and you're you have no way to play a show you have to like go play in the sewer or something you know which happens there is there any sort of like uh is there any sort of kind of like uh rap or like um kind of like kind of like i would say you know, obviously <coughs> punk punk there is so strong between like you know like everything that's going on like your bands and like uh, you know, Swami and John Reese yeah. bands, all that shit, you know. There's so many sick bands, but are there any, like, kind of, like, 
you know, like rap bands or anything like that that's kind of going on there? Or is it kind of predominantly in that punk scene? There is a, a lot of that stuff happening. I mean, a lot, I'm removed from, from it a bit, but I, I've been working with this guy, Luke Henshaw, who's a, a producer that also does like this whole thing. Like he, his roots are in, in, and rap and he does like a he does like a hip hop versus punk rock night where he'll like he'll have like DJs um you know do like hip hop and punk rock and then he'll have like a, a like a like a, like a ra- like rappers or like a hip hop act and then a punk band play which is kind of cool and because a lot of them do have a lot of similarities and so there is that kind of stuff and there are, there are a lot of those acts and like he's he, like he's all like all those guys that he's associated with are are kind of intertwined which is interesting because San Diego is like a strange thing. Like even what's with John Reese and stuff, you can, you know, there's things like in the past where like the locust would play with rock from the crypt and it's like totally normal and makes sense to everyone, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. which I don't think could happen in most other cities or at least ones that are like, you know, looked at as very conservative. Yeah. So, but yeah, there's rad hip hop there for sure. I feel like, I feel like that couldn't even happen. I feel like we were actually, Mike and I were talking about earlier about audience segmentation and like how nowadays kids will be like, I'm in a metalcore, you know, and they'll just like dig deep into that and maybe not even like kind of search outside of that world. And then, you know, so the idea of like experimentation is just kind of, kind of, kind of lost and like stumbling on something new, you know. Um, yeah, I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> Doing a great job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, whatever. Yeah, it's funny though. It is true that segmentation, man, because it's like you know, just like even in the like the metal scene, you know, we were talking about it earlier, where it's like you know, there's like the poser metal guys, there's dudes who are thrashers, you know, mm-hmm. and there's like brutal death metal guys, and then technical death metal guys, and then there's like that weird slam core where the dudes like are vaping with the flat brim hats and everything, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know where I was going with this. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I guess that jogged your memory. <laughs> Thank you. The vaping brought you back. Yeah, vaping. Vaping <laughs> vaping's always so important to me. All right, now, but seriously, like, I guess, do you think now, you know, because I feel like, you know, like, uh, in like uh, the 90s when we were all into hardcore and stuff and, you know, it wouldn't be that weird for, say, like, the promise ring to play on a hardcore bill. You know As a I'm matter saying? of fact, that that was very stuff like that happened all the time, man. Yeah, like Michigan Fest and all yeah. those, like or yeah. more the music festival. They always that was always like that was common, there. man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I feel like now, it's like you're gonna get the fucking thumbs down. You yeah, know what I'm saying? I, I think so. Yeah, definitely. It's like it's, I mean, hardcore scene. Forget well, about it. At least it. in the, in in New York. Yeah. From what I what from what I feel like, and um. I don't know. I, it kind of feels like that now. I don't know. And I think maybe it's because like, because genres are more accessible to kids, it's almost like, oh man, I want to, I want this to be a black metal show, you know? Yeah. You know, and, and it's sad because I remember like, you know, back in like 96 or seven or whatever, there'd be, when I was living in Boston, there was like, you would see like, you know, converge and like, Jay June or something like that play wow. together you know what I mean mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. it'd be emo and like chaotic hardcore and like you know that stuff happened all the time man you know? that's sick that's how it should be you know yeah you know but now it's just like you go to one type of show and you'll see you know like a package of bands that are just exactly the same you know and no one really gets to like get that sideways motion into other types of scenes and stuff you know yeah totally that's a trip because I think like I don't know what year it was that Locust did this um, tour, the Oops tour with Airborne Radar and Lightning Bolt, and then 
there was like those three bands and we'd pick two others regionally. So we had like the Blood Brothers and Orthrealm. But every night it'd be like five just bizarro like acts together. And it was cool because it was very challenging and open. And you had like this array of like weirdos or like, you know, whatever. It didn't matter. Like, every, you know, you'd have like everything was there. Like every kind of like f- music, you know, fanatic or whatever. I, you know what though? <clears throat> I would argue that that makes sense though. Because every single band that you're talking about, like your band, like Orthrealm, like Airborne Radio, Airborne Radar, all these bands, you know, they're kind of like vaguely punk, you know, uh-huh. but just go in this tangent. Well, and maybe, I think that's why it makes sense. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But maybe the maybe the main thing is like even when you're addressing things like Jejun and, and Converge or Promise Ring, <clears throat> it's like maybe they don't sound punk they have punk ethics and that's the whole like common bond i guess yeah definitely to like avoid all that shit you know you could be like i just really recognize this band or this artist for doing what they do and no matter what genre it is they can appreciate that you know totally totally well that's also like you know i mean when i first started getting into punk and hardcore and all that sort of stuff from my like you know hesher metal scene that i was into when i was like a really young kid Mm -hmm. you know and i kind of like took a break from listening to Judas Priest and, you know, Triumph and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then I got into like, like the SST catalog mm-hmm. and that was like all, all you want to talk about a completely diverse eclectic label. There was like, you know, the October faction and Saccharin Trust and Black Flag and the Descendants. And yet what made them punk was the fact that they, the way they did the whole thing, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't so much that any of the bands sounded alike, yeah. you know, and oftentimes you Black Flag and, and Sacred Trust would like tour together, but one's this like far out, real jazzy kind of thing, and the other one's like this super intense, like, you know. Totally, totally. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a cool thing too, because I, I got that same thing when I was younger with um, Alternative Tentacles. You know, I was obviously really into the Dead Kennedys, and I would get yeah. these, you know, the, the pan, like the, the catalogs, and I, you know, and discovered No Means No, and Alice Dona, and Lard, and, you know, well, maybe not Lard, but like all the other things that were like, like still pull bathtub like things oh, yeah. like that you know right. like you kind of like got to discover like this whole weirdo section of stuff just because everybody knew the dead kennedys were cool you know that- yeah there was that one anchor <clears throat> band that kind of brought everyone to the party yeah. you know what i mean like yeah. dead kennedys were that for for that vibe you know that the alternative tentacles vibe but you know it's funny a lot of people especially around here they assume that i'm into like a different like when i talk about hardcore mm-hmm. people in this city they're like oh you mean like you know gnostic front chromags and stuff and mm-hmm. i'm like Nah, man. Like I listened to like two records in that whole scene, and everything else I've ever gotten into that had any meaning to me though was like, you know, SST stuff and like you know the mm-hmm. AT stuff and all that kind of you know that sort of thing. And later on, like Touch and Go and Amrep and all that kind of mm-hmm. you know more free thinking kind of vibes. You know. So you were never into like Age of Quarrel or like Victim and Pain. See, um, so- I uh, I like I I didn't really get into Victim and Victim and Pain. Mm-hmm. I liked Cause for Alarm because it uh-huh. sounded like fucking th- like metal record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it totally was, man. It's yeah, like, yeah. after I, I read this thing about how they made that album, it was like none of the members in AF were actually on the record, really, except for wow. Roger, I guess. Yeah, wow. You know, it's like Pete Steele wrote the whole album, and he's like a, you know, carnivore typo guy. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I heard, the reason why I like cro Age of Quarrel is because it sounded like a metal record. Yeah. You know? But, like, when I thought about punk rock, I didn't think about that sound. I thought of, like, you know, like, Who's Could Do or something like that. Huh. Sure. I mean? Totally. And, I mean, I, st- I still, I guess, was caught up on, like, the punk rock metal thing at that time. You know, mm-hmm. then it wasn't until, like, the 90s when, like, 
metal and punk and hardcore or more metal and hardcore sort of, you know, melded together that I was yeah. able to like, you know, assimilate in my brain, like that those two things could coexist, you know? I thought there for a minute when satisfaction is the death of desire, I thought when that came out, I thought it was going to be the end of the conversation of metal versus hardcore when that record came out because it felt like all of my metalhead <laughs> friends were into it and my hardcore friends were into it and it felt like felt like this weird cross section that I'd never seen before you know yeah um, I don't know it was weird so what year would that be 99 2000 uh, 98 97 yeah it was like like somewhere between those those years yeah 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 because I would always trip out like going back to you know Rob Moran or whatever I always trip out on, Bro- on Unbroken because you know they sounded or they tried to sound like Slayer and they looked like Morrissey and they were straight edge yeah. and then they would like go on tour and play like with Slant 6 or something you know mm-hmm. and you're like that's just weird but it was cool like everyone dug it you know and so like totally. there was like me- and I guess even before that though I mean I remember growing up as a little kid and like seeing like pictures of, Sl- of Slayer and they'd always have like you know Dead Kennedy stickers and PIL like yeah. PIL like on a on the dude's guitar you're like well that's crazy because that's not even like that's not even like punk by definition yeah. you know yeah. Yeah, you see, like, then when I started coming to the city to go to shows, though, that was, like, when the slap of reality came down. Because, like, like, I grew up in the suburbs, man. I don't, I don't know anything about the Lower East Side or any of that bullshit. You know, that's not my world. But, like, when I first started coming down into the city, that's when I was, like, well, you really, you, you have to be, like, one or the other. And that was, like, kind of uh, really intense, I thought, you know. Totally, totally. I think by the time I got, like, old enough to kind of, like, I mean, I, I was, like, always hip to, like, I'm 41, so I was always kind of like hip to like uh, Youth of the Day and stuff like that, yeah. obviously. But I was never really into straight edge stuff. But I, what I really got me was like Born Against and, yeah. and like that, like yeah, Rorschach, that world, you, yeah. Rorschach for sure. And even like you know, I know that they're not from New York, but like um, Nation Ulysses, things like that, where mm-hmm. it was like had like a different like like a I don't know a different like stylistic element to it. You know, it's more more like. I don't even know what the right word is. Just had like an artistic vibe. Yeah, there was like a creative vibe to it that it wasn't so much stuck in like executing like a specific style. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, especially Rorschach. I mean, that was like Ugh, so good. It's like insanity. Actually, that's uh, that's me singing for Rorschach right there. Wow, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. What, where's that from? Uh, the Acheron. There was like when they played those three shows. Oh, was this uh, like post MDF? Uh, yeah, it was. They played a show in the day at ABC No Rio. They did a night show at the Poisson Rouge, and then they did a, like a late, late night show at the Acheron. Oh, three in one day. Three in one day. Oh, that's great. And, they be, and I came back from MDF the next day, because that was when Godflesh and Napalm played on Friday. Yeah. And I'm driving, and I'm just like, I'm like, man, it's fucking, it's midnight, man. It's getting ready to uh, hit the stage. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Went over to the Acheron, and like, you know, there was like a handful, there was like, Probably about 40 people there. Yeah. I mean, after playing three shows, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was just like, it was like, my buddy Chris was driving him. Mm -hmm. My buddy Will was selling merch for him. Mm -hmm. And everyone was there, but everyone's like a little bit older. It was the same crew of people (laughs) from like back in the day. Yeah. And like, I remember. uh, Will's always around. Yeah, Will's. But that was especially cool seeing. Will went on their European tour, man. He toured with them. I love to see those photos of him. Oh, dude! It's so funny. He has he has dark hair. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then like I'm standing up front. You know, Charles is like, he's like, you want to sing my war? And I'm like, fuck yeah, dude! So sure. I jump up on stage, and then like, Keith's just like, you, you remember how we do it, right? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I started. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, fuck, you know. Yeah, it was so much fun, man. 
I think to this day one of the greatest shows I've ever seen in this city is uh, when I saw Rorschach on that first reunion in 2007, 2008? Yeah. 2000, yeah, 2008, 2009, somewhere in that era, yeah. yeah and it was, it was that, at the it Charleston, was, right? The Charleston. That was insanity. That was a war zone. Yeah. That, I think, you know, that show, I saw two of the best shows I've ever seen there, actually. That, and I'll never forget seeing Annihilation Time down there, too. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, they, had, they used to do it pretty good there. They had, um, that was such a weird place, man, because it was like literally a basement, but it was yeah. in a bar actual basement an actual like not like a basement venue it was like a hot water heater over there and like a bunch of like you know like cases of beer and like just a, not even a you know just like a basement show but yeah. like in a bar it was weird but they were still do that new york thing where it's like when you go and they're like what band are you here to see you know mm-hmm. i hate that dude mm-hmm. when you go see a show especially it has like a diy like vibe to it what band are you here to see well i'm, I'm here to see all the bands because it yeah. was like I literally was there to see most of the bands on the bill. And sure. the only reason I didn't know some of the other bands. Sure. And that was just like, but it was just funny that that is on Bedford Avenue. And it was just like, now, can you imagine like trying to pull something like that off tonight on Bedford Avenue? Oh my God. It's insane, man. It's so crazy. Well, you'd have to walk by two Starbucks on the way there. There's literally, there's literally, well, there's one. I only know a one, man. What the, well yeah there's the, only that one actually, right around the corner. Yeah. You know it's funny man like like in ninety nine two thousand like I I was never really fond of that neighborhood. Yeah. But at least then it was like, there was like a little bit of something in common with the people that were there. It's like you know they were more like artists as opposed to like musicians. Yeah. You know but before that even before that there was a loft that was like. Dude, some cause for, for alarm and uh, disassociate lived there. So that definitely, there was like a gnarly like punk metal thing going on there for a long yeah. time before it became like more like painters and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then like, I, I remember when they first started developing that area, I was like, man, I should really start taking pictures of this shit because it's going to be completely different in 10 years. Yeah. And like I never did. And now you can't even recognize it, man. It's like, it looks like South Street Seaport or something, you know? Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking awful. I drive through there every now and then, you know, but it's just like a trip out on like how different everything is. I was with, so my brother works in advertising. My brother's got, he makes decent money and all that. And, um, he's like, Fred, come meet me for lunch. I, I rarely see him, you know, I see him like once every three weeks or something. It's like, come meet me for lunch. And, um, he's like, Fred, why don't we go to Mogador? And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, it's a good restaurant. Yeah, it's great. And I walked over there and I was like, holy shit, I don't recognize this. And I used to work down the block. Yeah. I used to work at Vice. Vice yep. was like North 11th, you know? And it's like crazy. I don't know. It's progress like that is like, well, quote unquote progress. Um, it's disconcerting. I mean, it's like, I, you know, at, at, at some point you have to wonder. You know, all these kids that are moving in there for, for the art and for the cool, like, downtown vibe, you're pushing out all the artists. And all the cool things have been wiped clean, and now you got a J. Crew, And now you got a, you got a fucking, like, like, Apple store down there. Oh, yeah. And a Whole Foods. There's a Whole Foods down there? Yeah. 
And that's the root of gentrification, though. You know, all the all the artists, the true artists, or the punks, or whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it, go to the poor neighborhoods. That's all they can afford, and then it becomes cool. Yeah. And then the rich people come in. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I had like a panic attack down there, <laughs> like um, maybe two years ago. Mm-hmm. There was like uh, there was a gym down there that uh, I went to briefly, and it was like, you know, get out of the subway, walk down, and Usually, like, you remember Bedford used to be, like, really busy, but then, like, Wythe and Berry were, if you wanted to avoid people, you'd go onto those streets. And sure, yeah. Wide Avenue. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, yeah, man, I'm just, I'm not going to go on Bedford. I'm just going to go, go down to, like, Berry Street or whatever. And it was just this fucking sea of people, man. And I literally was like, I got to get out of here. I can't take this anymore, you know? And it was, like, this fucking really intense feeling, man. Yeah. And that same day, somebody walked directly into me from like some girl was like you know facebooking with somebody or whatever texting walked directly into me and just kept walking and i was just like uh excuse me not even any acknowledgement at all man it was like the most like brutal thing that's ever happened to me really you know in some ways you know that's crazy yeah i mean i don't know judgment is coming Judgment can like, yeah. like the hammer of Thor is gonna yeah, kind of like smite this like. Finally, <laughs> I feel like there's going to be all of these all these post Sex in the City people, you know. Um, once they hit year eight, year nine, year ten, I think a lot of these people are going to disseminate into the into the suburbs. That's my theory. I hope, you know. Um, I just think it's just getting too much here. Yeah, because I don't know where they're going to put all these people either, man. It's like even even like this neighborhood. It was nice and quiet when I moved here. Yeah. And now there's like these huge condos and like there's some dude with a chicken that lives behind me now. (laughs) It's like, like not, not like. I mean, that's actually very New York though, you know? True. However, (laughs) I was, I was talking to this dude that I trained with. He's like, he's just this Puerto Rican guy. And I was just like, yeah, man, what fucking neighbor, man. Like. It's got like chickens. He's like, oh, you know, they they Latin people next door, yeah. and I'm like, no, they're just like these like vaping like white people. You know what I mean? <laughs> and like they have a fucking two chickens in these like tiny little cages. Do you think it's ironic to have a chicken? Well, I'm like, dude, it's their original pet. Like chickens need to have like space to like wander around in. They can't just keep them in a cage the whole time. It's yeah. like kind of inhumane in a lot of ways. Yeah. To have this like concrete slab, totally, with no grass and like. These two cages and these animals like hang out in these cages all day long. No wonder they're upset, you know. And it's like every now and then you you know they like. I mean, it's cool. Like I have no problem with that yeah, yeah. having that. But I'm just like, I'm like, you know, it seems a little cruel to me. That's like the only the only issue I have with it. And then there's other people behind me who built this like, essentially a bar. Like they have like this. I remember one summer they constructed like a, a porch with an enclosure on top of it. And like all summer long, they've just been like raging, man. Jesus. Yeah. Like I see that stuff everywhere there in San Diego, though. It's like, my my I live in this area called Barrio Logan, and it's like I, I if I I have to I own, I own my house there, but if I I'm selling it, and I will not be able to buy there again. But it's a trip because like I don't know, like a few months ago, this my neighbors came by and they're like, hey, can we? You know, they're 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 Mexican. They're can we go in your backyard or our chickens? Or you know, it was like on the roof of like the neighbor's house, you know, and you're like, that's crazy. You know, and then, uh, and then the house um, that I that I own was um, 
the the value appreciated like I don't know over two hundred thousand dollars like within three years. Wow. But last awesome. August, um, someone like shot my fence with a machine gun. You know, and you're like, Whoa. you're like that was like Jeez. one year ago. Like you know, like and there's holes in the fence. You know, but it's still gonna like sell for whatever. It's it's a trip. It's weird to see that stuff. That's like one of the most gnarly things about California in some ways that is different than New York. It's like you pretty much like you. Like the juxtaposition of like real violence and like, you know, relatively expensive sort of areas. Yeah. Like here in New York, really, honestly, nothing, <clears throat> nothing really bad happens to anyone anymore, really. It's, yeah. I mean, when I first moved here, I was living with my girlfriend. She got mugged twice in three years in our neighborhood, which was a safe neighborhood at the time. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, now it's like a candy land. Hmm. <laughs> The only thing, the only thing I can think of that came close was like last summer there was um, these like reports of like young, young people like beating up women on the train and stuff. Um, you know, there was that big story about some like young twenty-one-year-old girl. Right. She got like beat right. up by these like two fourteen-year-old chicks or whatever. That's like a that's like a a Tuesday in Brooklyn, any Tuesday in Brooklyn, twenty years ago. Yeah. That yeah, kind of, that kind of thing would never be on the in the paper. Yeah, like gnarlier stuff happened on a more, more regular basis back then. Oh, yeah. yeah, but now it's just like, you know, nothing really bad happens to anyone around here unless you're like out in the far boroughs. Yeah, and that's where no one cares. Like the, yeah. they don't want to write about stuff out there or yeah. hear about it. You know. Yeah, that's a whole other racial com- conversation for sure. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. So what what other what are what else are you working on like musically outside of Dead Cross and uh, Hedwood City and oh. Talk? So you working on other shit? Yeah, well, I mean you were doing like yeah. soundtrack stuff and all kinds yeah. of stuff. Well, the, yeah, this guy Luke Kenshaw that I that I mentioned earlier, the hip hop producer, we, him and I were working on this project. It's called Planet B, and it's it's sort of like a mixture. Like a lot of the a lot of the rhythms and the beats are kind of rooted in hip hop, and then I sing or play bass and then we have different drummers play on it and he plays it in NPC and it's really strange but like almost like punk and hip hop mixed I guess cool. it's it's a trip um, so just that and then like um, I did some like cartoon uh, voiceover stuff and I've been like really trying to be like let me get in that realm and I want to score with those guys and, like I was on this show called Uncle Grandpa and I and I just would love to be like a I would love to do cartoons it's awesome it's yeah fun. It's the wow. same show that had the Melvins on it recently. Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Uncle yeah. Grandpa. It was rad. I was a like a free sample snack elf. I gave out like free snack samples, <laughs> but it was crazy because he was like vegan and like he was a jerk, and I was like, that sounds like me, you know? That's, weird. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. It's really fitting. Amazing. Are you are, like? Do they? Do they? How does that work? They credit your voice? I don't know yet. I don't know. They pay me to go do the the character and then and then uh yeah i don't know when it comes out i'm curious i don't know if i've ever looked at a cartoon like uh the credits the credits i think the credit voices all that's i mean i've i mean the simpsons the simpsons they credit whenever they have yeah yeah. you know metalocalypse they have like you know whatever kurt kirk hammett or whatever Mm -hmm. think about it yeah 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 that's cool wow is that like a SAG kind of like union thing? Yeah, I would, I'm not. I'm just like whatever. I'll just go do it. You yeah. know, they hit me up at like at a at a Headwind City show, and I was like, yeah, I want to do that. It's cool. That's awesome, man. Wow. 
but they were. I did some scoring for uh, Ozzy Argento's film and Compressa, and then that was kind of like what prompted the conversation. And I was like, yeah, I would love because I was actually I got an agent at CAA for like some acting stuff, and I was and he was like throwing like a bunch of uh, cartoon voiceovers towards me, and I didn't get none of it like amount to anything, but I kind of mentioned to these guys, and they're like, oh, we'll totally like hire you to do this one gig. It was like very musical themed, a bunch of other artists and stuff, so it was cool. Were you, have you been in any films? As far um, as just like, Incompressa, um, and then, th- like as like like that was like a pretty like I was like a can and stuff like that. But yeah. then I, I've done like smaller like thing like, The Locust was in a Toxic Avenger Part Four, yeah. and we were kind of edited out parts of it and, and things like that. And then there's like this that band Icarus Line. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. they have a movie coming out I guess oh, and next like in a couple weeks. Was that dude named Travis? Uh, from Buddyhead, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Was, he was in, he was part of the. I, he kind of like put their records out initially. Uh, I, I don't think he was. Was, yeah. was he actually in the band or no? No. Oh, okay. But they had us like act in this movie that's about them. It was kind of strange. Retox, and uh, so it was it was cool and strange. I'm not. I'm curious to see how it looks or how it is because I I I always kind of like question like, like no no offense to them, but I'm like who gets a movie? You know, like that's a big deal. Like, I mean, Icarus Line is like a weirdo kind of like underground like you know you think like a, somebody it's a movie it's like Joy Division or yeah. you know like mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm very curious to see what it's what it's like it's interesting yeah so it's a narrative no it's acting like they had us like act in it I don't know and they hired like act. it's like but all it's act. not a documentary though. no I, I'm, I'm still not really Weird. sure um, Joe the singer tried to explain it to us and I was just like we're old friends and I was like we'll just do whatever it's cool and then and then I was like but can you explain to me and he and he he, it was basically like a, about the band, but like they're really like acting in it and like. Oh, you know. so it might be like uh, that last Nick Cage. Or Nick, oh my god, I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> Nick Cave film. <laughs> you mean uh, you mean not not uh, Ghost Rider, right? <laughs> god of War, whatever the hell it's called, like Lord Jesus of War. That's correct. The last Nick Cave film where it's like biographical, but but it was still like, uh, like interview ish. Like this is like I think. Yeah. I could be wrong. I'll find out in a couple weeks. But I think it's like fully just like, uh, what whatever the opposite of a documentary, maybe. you know, like uh, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Wow. But I would love to do more. I just has to have to wait for it. I guess. All right. This is a weird. And you don't have to answer this, but I, I have a question. <laughs> I have a question because I've always wondered this. You know, like. <clears throat> You know, just growing up in California and going to punk shows and going to hardcore shows and stuff, I would imagine that you probably came across like kind of like maybe celebrity types who were actually into this music. Yeah, um, it's it's crazy like going to the Smell in L.A. and like like the Locust to play and you know you're like oh uh, Mark Wahlberg's here, you're like wow really cool. yeah yeah it's a trip that's insane. I, I've actually met him a few times and he's he's pretty solid. Like wow. he got to the smell somehow, and and like, I don't. I mean, I would like to think he was there to see the locust. I have no idea, but he was at the show that we were headlining. So I was like, that's cool. <laughs> that's a good like, but like Chloe Sevigny would or whatever her name yeah. is. Would show she she up, used to live here. She used yeah. to see her around. I mean, yeah, she dated like a friend of mine, and like you know, like yeah. my roommate threw out of her house once. I mean, and stuff like, like that. But, Mark Wahlberg. Well, I know that's the, he's the jam. That's crazy. But also too, when I was when I in my first band struggle when I was sixteen, I, he was signing records at Tower, and I, and I had gone to Tower like not knowing that he was there. Yeah. I was like, well, that's a trip, and so we ended up talking, and he, he was like, we gave him a seven inch, and he was he was like, this is, 
he's like, this is rad. Like, you know, like he was psyched like to talk to mm-hmm. us and like, you know, I don't think he knew what like hardcore was or anything, but he mm-hmm. was just like really interested in like what it was, you know, like it looked evil or he was like, cause that was when he was like doing the Calvin Klein underwear yeah. thing. And this is yeah. like the, he was, it was rad. And then like, you know, whatever, like seven years later, he's like at a locust show. Like that's, well, maybe that's like the, you know, the, the, the timeline started. Yeah. Seven, yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah. The struggle. Seven years. <laughs> and he's been following your career the whole time for seven years. That's incredible. <laughs> I mean, literally, that's one of the last people I thought would come out of your mouth just now, which is amazing. <laughs> I mean, you know, because like you have this idea of him like being Mr. Entourage. Yeah, sure. Like, yeah. You know, like these guys that like hang out and like, you know, like talk about sports and fuck chicks and do drugs and that's it, you know? Yeah. And like, you know what I'm saying? As opposed to like. I, I'm shocked. Yeah, but, you know. exactly. There, there's this dude from the um, Vampire Diaries uh-huh. um, who, I, I don't, it's a strange thing how it worked, like, how it worked out. Like, on Instagram, like, they're, like, this, you know, I was, like, tagged in a photo and it's, like, Crimson Curse record and it's, like, you know, I just looked at it and I was, like, whoa, dude, it's got, like, 3,000 likes or something. And I was, like, who the fuck likes that record, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so I looked at the guy's profile, I was, like, whoa, he's on Vampire Diaries and he's got, like, a million, you know, followers. And then, like, you know, a couple years later, he like, oh, he has a locust tattoo as well. And I was like, what the hell? And then he ended up at our show. And like, I just hung out with him a couple nights ago. He's totally chill, you know? And like, so that kind of stuff like happens. It, that was in LA or California, but like it happens in San Diego or in California a lot where you kind of do end up having like, you kind of like see like that, that, that like world, you know I mean? There was like something with like the plot to blow up the Eiffel Tower was at this, uh, this place called Astro Burger and um, <clears throat> Cameron Diaz was there and she got in a fight with the singer and Justin Timberlake was dating her at the time and he uh-huh. tried to like beat the band up and you know it was like this whole like scuffle you know and you're like who does that you yeah, know like yeah. who gets to go to like after your show like go get in a fight with Cameron Diaz and Justin Timberlake in a burger place wow that's insane that's funny <laughs> what, what, what I, I often wondered like like these actors who like you know they're like, pretend people and like you know, as far as like fighting people and like really in the movies, I can beat people up. So like in real life, I like if there's like a weird quirk that they have that maybe they convince themselves that they can actually pull things off that they can't in real life. Yeah. You know, you know, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny you say that because all I can think about now, now that we've talked about Mark Wahlberg, is that scene in Boogie Nights where he's like, he's like, oh yeah, why well, no karate? You know, and he's like doing all those karate poses and shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah, that's funny that you said it. Or like, uh, I'm not a doctor, but I played one on TV. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, cool. Thanks for coming by, guys. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. You know, a lot it. of fun. And, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Thank you. We sir. were talking about, about Snapchat before, uh, yeah. before Justin showed up. And, uh, I'm glad I missed that. <laughs> I, I still, the, I guess the, the unanswered question though is, do, can you can you personally save the little videos that you? Yes, do? you can. All right, so it could be like a method to document things for yourself then. And that's exactly what I did when I was in Japan. Is I like, I did like daily stories. Yeah. Like every day, I would just at the end of the night, I would just save all of my snaps, and it would be like twenty snaps or something, and it would be like. <clears throat> This is what you did, you know. You saw this crazy record here and this bowl of ramen here, and you know, like, like it was insane. It was it was ridiculous. Like, and some of these things, like I will never see. Like for instance, I was in Disc Union, and there was 
there was this Japanese hardcore record that I really wanted and I took a photo of that and then I took a photo of this this current 93 uh, babies um, like kind of like like a onesie like a onesie a current 93 onesie yeah 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 mm. it was how many of those they like, yeah exactly <laughs> wow man yeah I think it actually it's funny I think I tagged Rennie from Relapse in that we were having a conversation about anyway. I have a question for you guys yeah. A New York kind of question. Yeah. Do you know if um, the singer for Nausea, the woman, had a, had a child with the singer for um, Agnostic Front? Is that like is that real? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I'm I'm not going to answer that question because yeah. I'm afraid I'm going to get it wrong. <laughs> Someone's going to show up and beat uh, me up at the next show. I always tripped out about that though, you know, because yeah. like those. You know, I think about the same. Thing I love Nausea so much, man. They were totally. so fucking cool, yeah, yeah. and didn't really care for Agnostic Front. So I was like, what? What's she doing? You know, like. Yeah, yeah. I Anyhow, I, well, I thought maybe you guys knew. I no, always bring it up, and then I, I guess I should fact check it somehow. I'm yeah. pretty sure they did. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. So I don't want to say yes or no, man. Yeah. I want to. I I know people who can answer that question, but I don't personally. I don't yeah. know myself right. who like, whether or not it's true. But yeah, nausea. I was always way more into them than like, you know, AF. <laughs> I agree. Sorry to derail this. Um, wrapping up. So be sure to go see Retox um, in the upcoming days, and because uh, you got like another week left to the tour. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys later. Thanks. Thanks.